get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Happy Thursday, St. Louis. Danny Mack and Michelle Smallman with you here. Character and Smallman with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. We are uh, ready to go for game five today. And we have blues hockey coming up this weekend. So it's kind of the transition period here of sports in St. Louis. I'm looking forward to it. Good morning to you. And we have a loaded show today. We have Greg Amzinger, his thursday visit with us john kelly is going to join us at 8 15 to talk a little blues hockey we have our thursday visit with david perron drew mcintyre for you wwe fans is going to be doing a special edition of the fight today so look forward to that at 8 30 and then looking forward to this dan we have our friend adam wainwright coming in studio so what do you want to ask wayno there's a lot of things i would i mean i think if i asked him what i really want to ask him would be like an hour two three four conversation but uh we get him for what 15 minutes 15 minutes because he's doing stuff with Big League Impact and Chick-fil-A today. He's got a packed schedule. Grateful that he's coming in studio. Um, but I wrote my questions out last night, and I had to edit because I had so many. Because we haven't talked to him since the playoffs. You shouldn't write out your questions. I like to have a safety net okay. so that I know where to go. And, right. But a lot of times with Wayno, we would we would say hello to him, and then nothing that I had written down exactly. I would ask. He's just such an easy conversationalist. But sometimes with people, uh, you'll ask them a question, and they might give you a three-word answer so you need to be prepared you better be prepared <laughs> you need to be prepared that was the uh, the interesting thing for me one of the great learning experiences i had was i would have to go give jack buck like his recorder or something before a, uh, one of his bucket bat interviews and so obviously he didn't write any of the questions and i'm sure in the back of his mind he knew the direction he wanted to go but uh sometimes people would say something kind of off beat off mm-hmm. the path and he would just go in that direction for sure and at times his questions weren't um questions it would be Michelle, you're wearing gray today, you know. (laughs) Well, that's right. I am wearing gray, and I was not feeling great because today I was not feeling well when I woke up, and it was kind of a gray day, Jack. And, you know, I really enjoy gray days, and it's going to be a great, you know, and they just go down this path, and he'd get more out of that than asking a question. So I always find it interesting. I do have ideas of what I want to ask. There's a lot of things I'd love to ask, but I always try to listen. But that doesn't mean I'm actually going to do a good job either. The best interviewers don't say a whole lot. They don't. It's very quick. It's very, so Larry King, I, I and they read don't a lot answer about, the question. Right, and you never. So I, I read this thing on Larry King after he passed away, and they said the the art of the Larry King interview was that it was very short and very direct. Like, yeah. like. 
how are you? Exactly. Yeah, and then you just let it breathe. And sometimes in the uncomfortable, yes, and sometimes in the uncomfortable space, the subject then will give you more. But they, you know, they always say, Dan, God gave you two ears and one mouth because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk, and that's especially true during an interview. Is that an Italian saying? Perhaps. I mean, my grandma used to say it all the time. But it is true. You should. Very true. People are not very good listeners, and a lot of times in an interview, you're so worried about what you're going to ask next next that you could miss a really important thing that someone said that you should follow up on. Well, the first thing I'd like to do with most of the people I interview is give them um, a dose of truth serum so they actually have to answer the question. So, I, I you know, if I, got, I was talking to Wayno, I would say, hey, is next year going to be your next uh, last year? Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, in the back of your mind, is, is that it? Do you want to go out with Yachty? How much do you want to play with Albert Pujols? Are you guys really good next year? Mm-hmm. Who would you want to bring in? Do you want to broadcast? And if so, do you want to do it on a local level or do you want to do it on a national level? Do you want to do it with me in the booth? I'll yeah, what do you think of me? <laughs> Wayno? Truth serum. Come on, let's go. The beauty of Adam Wainwright, though, is that he will answer anything you ask him yep. and he gives you the most thoughtful and thorough and transparent answers you could ever dream of. He uh, will answer the que- even uncomfortable questions. He'll answer... And it may, you know, you got to sometimes I'd have to go back and listen to what he said. I'd play it back and I go, oh, I'm kind of I got to read between the lines a little bit here. He's saying it without saying it. Yeah. Which is some of the what the like Mo to me does that. Oh, yeah. I listen to Mo and I I go, okay, And then I listen to it back and I'm like, oh, I got to read between the lines on this. I think this is the direction he's going. And a great subject will also uh basically answer however they want to answer so like if you watch a lot of the i'm fascinated by like the interviews in uh let's say public office so they ask you a question you don't really answer the question you just say what you want to say mm-hmm. and get your point across right. which spin is spin zone exactly you know you spin it and then you say what you really think and what or what the message is you want out there yeah it's really easy to do if you really think about it it's not that hard like if you're having a, a personal conversation you don't even have to answer that person's question you just say well really i'm thinking about this right and well, that's how you do it like you could say michelle you're wearing gray and i would be like you know what else is gray dan the sky outside and that's i want right. to talk about the weather that's right you know that's and, how you do it so that would be my true serum with uh, wayne o but we yes, we have a ton of people to get to and Wayno in studio. And you said you've never really met him in person, right? I have never met Adam Wainwright in person. I've talked to him every week for the entire season. And every time that I had gone down to the ballpark this year, he, I believe, was pitching. Okay. And so on for those, those are who good don't nights. Yes, those are great. It was usually a very fun night. But uh, for those who don't know, when someone is pitching, they're not available on the field the way other players are before the game for the media. They're doing their own thing. They're getting ready for the game. And so, and it's kind of a known thing that if someone's pitching that day, you're not really chatting with them. <laughs> you're not going to go up and say, hey, Adam, it's me, Michelle. You know How are you? What's weird, though, like some guys, and they are few and far between, they come find you. Like if you're sitting in the dugout and let's say there was that day's pitcher and he comes out of the clubhouse. And again, it's few and far between that guys did this, that it was their starting day. And it was their way of relaxing was to, like, talk to you, Mm. you know, like, uh, hey, what's going on? How you doing? They just didn't want to think about the game. 
You know what I mean? Sure. It took their mind off the game. They've already done their preparation. They know what they're going to do. And then on the flip side, it was Chris Carpenter, where if you saw him walking, you got out of the way. Yes. You will, got the hell out of the way. I will never forget my very first day as an intern at Channel 5 when I was in college. We went to Bush Stadium, and I was there with Rennie Knott and a bunch of the media people. He introduced me to everyone. He was so gracious and, and helpful to me. And... It was a Chris Carpenter pitching day, and he walked by, and everybody was like, hey, here's a tip. If Chris Carpenter's pitching, don't talk to him. Don't look at him. Don't talk to him. Even if you need him for something, if he's going that day, it is not the day. That's right. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. Well, the thing you're going to notice about Wayno, in TV, I've always felt in sports doesn't do it justice. Number one, how tall he is. He is, yes. He's extremely tall. Now, I can say, hey, the guy's 6'7". And you go, okay, yeah, all right. Well, then you stand next to him and go, oh, he's really tall. <laughs> and he's tall and he's he's put together. That's uh-huh. the other thing. You don't realize the other thing about guys, at least I find, is just how put together these dudes are. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's put together. He's, right. And he's gone through, I remember talking to him about this. He's like, well, yeah, you know, some years I'll put on more weight in the offseason just because of the rigors of the season. And then other times he's gotten real thin. But you just notice that, you know, he's a pro athlete. And uh, and we, we have been so lucky to have a guy like that in town because he, he's going to go down. If we're doing this show a year from now and he says, you know, next year's my final year going to be reflecting on that career and going man there were so many special moments seasons years and by the way the kind of person he was oh yeah we couldn't we couldn't have drawn up a better guy and it's gonna and he's the kind of guy that will continue to have a hand in baseball whether it's with broadcasting or a role in coaching or maybe that dual role that some guys take and uh, the Cardinals would be the beneficiary of it and we all have been his fans he's been a hell of a player he really has been well Dan it's been a week since the Cardinals season ended. We did a little bit last week looking forward on what we think the Cardinals need to improve upon, but we haven't really fully processed the season and looked back in totality. So we're going to do something pretty remedial today, but we want to hear from you. Give us your text 65780 from the Air Comfort Service text line or a mic drop from the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. We wanted to do this because we think we're going to get such a variety of answers. Simple question, a Larry King question. Yeah. What grade would you give the Cardinals in the 2021 season? Because I think a lot of people look at the run they made at the end and the fact that they made the postseason and they would grade them high. And I think a lot of other people look at the fact that they were favored to win the division. They might look at the month of June and score them lower than others might. So what do you think, Dan? Um, I could answer this as, uh, man, I could go in so many different directions. I'd probably say A-. minus. You get 90 wins, 90 wins is 90 wins. You get into the postseason and people say, well, you're the second wild card and you didn't win your division. That part is a disappointment. When you probably went in as one of the favorites and came up short. So I, I can't give you an A+. Plus. I'm not going to give you an A. I'll give you an A-. Minus. And I would say the first half of the season would have been a C for me. The first mm-hmm. couple of months, I would have said, would have been an A. Then the next couple of months, I'm saying it's a D. And then oh, the yeah. final two months, I'd say A. And September was an A+. Plus. Yeah. So putting it all together, I'd say A-. Minus. Um but it was the tale of two different teams, too. But if you're looking at the full season, A minus. Yeah, it, there's a lot of ups and downs yeah. this season. How about you? I think I'm going. I'm going to give them a B plus, strictly because 
I can't shake June. I just can't give him an A in the A range because of June and because of some of the inconsistencies in totality that we saw throughout the season with the offense. But when I look at the, a lot of the issues that the Cardinals had at, at points during this season, whether it was the walks or the, the injuries to the rotation and whether it's the front office or adjustments that players individually made the way that they finished the season was so strong um i want to give them an a but i think if i need to be fair and i'm looking at everything that they dealt with and what the expectations were i'm going to give them a b plus yeah and i think i was leaning towards that direction because june was just so frustrating and you mentioned the walks and you know they were on pace I think you remember I came in here one day and I'd done the numbers and they were on pace for like 700 walks and literally, and that was frustrating to watch. But I say it's the tale of two different teams because I do think the moves that they made changed the construction literally of the roster. And then those moves pay dividends. So if you were talking about uh, Luis Garcia or TJ McFarland or Hap or Lester, or I can't believe I was saying this at the time or now at at this time, but the move of Wade LeBlanc was huge. Yeah. It changed everything. Like guys started to see, okay, it settled things down in the bullpen. And he's a great influence too on some of those younger kids. And he throws strikes. Oh, okay. Now he moves to the rotation. Was he going to give you nine innings? No. Was he going to give you seven? No. But was he going to give you a chance through five or six? Yes. So, I looked at that as like being one of the key moves of the team. So when you have those five additions that all of a sudden make that much of a difference with your pitching, um, it tells me it was a two a tale of two different teams. And it's look, it's part of the deal. But the injuries, when you had four fifths of your rotation out, it's really tough to win. And I I'm as guilty as charged. I thought they had enough pitching going into the season that if they did have injuries, they'd be able to uh, uh, cover those up and sustain winning. And I was wrong. It, it just wasn't good enough. So that's why I looked at an A minus and, and really kind of the tale of two different teams. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. Get your texts and mic drops into us on 101 ESPN. We want to hear from you throughout the day. What grade are you giving the Cardinals for the 2021 season? Coming up next, though, we want those texts again. 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line, is Thursday, which means the oh, time. Oh, by the way. Oh, yes. Can I say this real quick? Yeah, of course. Um, it, this is from the 314. It says, math nerds just cringe <laughs> with the average of Danny Max grades. Uh, can I not say A minus? Am I not supposed to say A minus? No, you can't. Okay, well, I'm going Listen, A minus. I haven't been in school for a long time, but I thought it was A plus, A, A minus, right? Yeah. There's, uh, it's I, a three-pronged tier. I had a lot of minuses. They just weren't A's. <laughs> There's a lot of B's and C's and occasional. I think the D minus I got was when the uh, teacher was just trying to be nice and didn't want to upset my parents instead of giving me the F. You got a D minus? Oh, sure. What class? Math. Oh, yeah. man. I was going to say, I didn't know you could get an F minus. Oh, oh, I don't think you can. No. <laughs> like, Below F burn. is... No. <laughs> with the burn. I never got it. an F minus. A lot of D minuses. I mean, I just wasn't really bright. And that's clear. It's not so. a failing grade. Thank you. A D minus? Not on, a failing grade. Come on, mom and dad. I mean, C's get degrees. I put in a little, yeah, I put in a little effort, got the D minus, so it's not an F. Didn't fail. Proud of you, Dan. Thanks. Feel <laughs> that, great about it. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Small. I'm sick of it. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN on this Thursday. Get those texts into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Sick of It. Dan, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. I want you to go first. You may, you may spark a sick of it for me. Okay. I'm sick of a lot of things, but I just don't know what yet. It's been a, it's been a week, Dan, and I'm already sick of no Cardinal baseball. I'm oh, sick of it. One. I yeah. am. I, you know, watching these games this week and watching these matchups, I keep looking at some of these teams and the way they're performing or some of the teams that are getting bounced. And I'm thinking if the Cardinals would have won that game, yeah, they could have made some noise. And it's just postseason baseball is always amazing to watch. It's it so is. it's so Isn't entertaining. It There's always something that happens that you've never seen or that you can't anticipate. But it's just it's not as great when the team that you follow is not in it. <laughs> I would totally agree. Um, I think I'm sick of thinking of the baseball CBA oh, because that's a good one. I'm kind of uh, follow me here, if you will. Yes. Um, so I totally am in agreement with you. I'm in really enjoying the, the postseason this year, even with the Cardinals out of it. Now, would it be better with them in it? Of course it would be. However, I'm really enjoying the drama of these games. It's been really good games. Yeah. Uh, I just love it. And um, I, I can't wait for game five tonight with the, the Dodgers and the Giants. I think that's going to be great theater and should be a lot of fun. And so I'm looking forward to it. And it just made me think, man, I, I don't want to be talking about the business side of this stuff, like the ugly underbelly of times of mm-hmm. what sports can be, which is fan as a fan, you shouldn't care. You should just care about what's going on in the field. Enjoy it, buy your tickets and have fun um, or watch it or whatever. But uh, here's the, the nasty part of myself, too. So I'm doing a little self-evaluation. I'm really jumping all over the place here. Let's but, look within. But I do kind of enjoy sometimes the business side of sports Mm -hmm. as much as i don't want to see the nastiness come out i still enjoy seeing how the cba is going to be brought about so are we going to have a year quicker to free agency are teams going to have to spend to a hundred million dollars on a payroll i find that interesting i just don't want to see it get ugly i guess is what i'm trying to say because i'm enjoying the baseball so much and that's really the main focus of what i love about the game Am I, are you following me? Here? I am. I I'm, am. I'm on absolutely. a stream of consciousness. No, right I'm now. with you. I have come along. I'm riding shotgun. I've packed snacks. We Thank are you. here. I am okay, on good. this ride with you, and I'm with you. And we've we've talked about this a few times. We haven't really dived as deep in as we probably should. We'll have plenty of time to do yes. that. But it just makes me very nervous because baseball has a, a history of getting in their own way and of not having self awareness or not reading the room. And we know there's bad blood between both parties. And as people who love baseball and want baseball to go on without a hitch and come together at the table and have some common sense and maybe some compromise and do what's best for not only one another, but for the sport as a whole, for the vitality of the sport as a whole. I don't know. It just seems like such a, such a no-brainer for me when I look at baseball and what they're coming off of. This season was very entertaining. You're coming off of a, a great postseason. A lot of markets saw people coming back to the ballpark. Yeah. and you need This you need, market saw that. This market certainly saw that. You need to ride that wave if you're baseball, not do anything to stop that motion. I, I think they know that. Matter of fact, I know they know that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether or not knowing it and understanding it and getting a deal done is going to happen is another conversation. But I do think they understand just how bad it would be if they didn't come out and play. 
So what I, I mean, I keep hearing. So December 1st is the, the deadline and baseball is really good at deadlines. That's why you put a trade deadline and say, OK, at five o'clock Eastern or whatever it is on this date, mm-hmm. we got to be done. You know, either that player's traded or he's not. They do well with deadlines. Now, what you could have, which would make this fast and furious, is that, okay, the deadline comes and goes, and you don't have anything going on in December, and then January's coming along, and then all of a sudden, okay, the start of spring training, is that really the true deadline? The problem would be with that, which would be one way to look at it, is that you didn't have your hot stove, you didn't have your time to market, you didn't go out and get your great players to market, and you're not in the uh, the front page of what can be all the time, all, 365 days a year talking baseball. But the other part of it would be, let's say you get a deal done, and then the mad dash to go out and sign players, and the excitement of that leading into spring training, which... Mm-hmm. I could see that happening, too. But I do think, to the greater point, we're, we definitely are going to have baseball. We'll have a full season, and we'll have full spring training. So I'm not worried about it. i just like to see it get done so we don't have to even think about it. I would like to get an announcement as the day after the World Series. That would be the <laughs> ideal, wouldn't it, though? It would be great. You never have to think about it. I've thought about, you know, with Rob Manfred, um, so many things happen at the World Series. Okay, here's the this slugger, and there's this award, and here's this guy and that guy, and, and it's really great. There's It's a celebration of the year in the sport. What better way to celebrate it by saying, you know, hey, by the way, we have a massive announcement. We've come together, and it's Rob Manfred and Tony Clark at a podium saying, and we came up with a deal. It's a five-year extension, mm-hmm. and let's get it going. That would be the best announcement. Yes, it would. Fingers crossed. Yes. All right, Emily, uh, what are the texts saying on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780? From the 573, sick of it, sick of the storyline. Cardinals need to sign this shortstop. No way John Mazalek spends the kind of money these gentlemen will be asking for. Well, who is this shortstop that they're referring to? Well, there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Carlos Correa is going to get a ton of money. I think that we had a guy on yesterday. Um, I heard him. Robert Murray from Fanside. I listened. Yeah. And he I said. I was pumping my fist in my car. I, wait. He said, you know, I, I'm thinking Trevor Story, 18 <laughs> per. And I almost fell out of my chair. I was I, like, I go, really? yes, what? <laughs> hmm. 18 per. And I, then I was like, well, what's the length of that deal? Uh, three or four years. Really? Okay. Sounds good to me. Me too. Sounds uh, great. I, if that would be the direction they'd go, I'm like, okay. Is Trevor Story aware of this? Uh, I don't know. It's not necessarily, I don't even know if it's necessarily Trevor Story. It'd probably be his representation. Yes. Is his yeah, when they hear that, they go, wait a minute, hold on now. Um, Marcus Simeon. I, there's a lot of guys out there. Javi Baez, if that tickles your fancy. Corey Seager. Corey Seager Corey really Seager's a good tickles one. my fancy. But I love Corey Seager. I do too. And I, I think Who doesn't? The, the Cardinals need need to find left-handed bats. I really like Kyle Schwarber, too. Oh, yeah. That would be another one. I love Kyle Schwarber, too. See, now, this is the fun that you have in the offseason. You go, well, I go get that guy. I go get that guy. And by looking at the arbitration numbers of the Cardinals, we talked about this with PK yesterday. Um, You know, your main players aren't in baseball terms, not life terms, in baseball terms, aren't making massive jumps yet. I think Flaherty's like at like 5 million, but Tyler O'Neill is like 3-3 for a guy that hits 30 bombs and, you know, plays gold glove defense and in the middle of the order bat. Dakota Hudson was, you know, like 1-2. Jordan Hicks could be a million bucks. I mean, it's 
There's a lot of money coming off the books. Uh-huh. A lot of the guys that uh, now you're going to have to pay them at some point, which is part of figuring out your budget for this year and next and the year after that. But um, they can do some damage here in this offseason. I mean, there could be roughly, I think, like if by my calculations, right around 30, 40 million dollars in that area to spend and see what they do. Makes it fun. It does. And that's why the offseason is so fun, because you could be a dude out there with a bad credit score and you can still be fantasy GM. You can absolutely you can still Isn't that the fun of it? <laughs> that's the best. Is that it doesn't matter I've had if guys, you would actually be good at that job, you can pretend. I've actually had people tell me they're like, I enjoy the hot stove of baseball more than I enjoy the season. Yeah. And well, I'm like, wait a minute, you like he's like, Oh yeah, I love it, you know, to see where guys are gonna go, see if the Cardinals do something. Then the season comes here and he's like, I go to opening day and then I'm kind of done. Well, that's why the NBA, I think, especially around the trade deadline, gets so much traction because it's transaction after transaction after transaction. And it's big names, big name players that are moving teams all the time. It's fun. All the time. Okay, Emily, one more? Yeah, we got time for one more real fast. Uh, from the 314. Real fast. Real fast. We got to get okay. to Greg and stay on clock. That's true. That's from true. the 314, I'm sick of everyone bashing Carpenter when he gave us so much but struggled. You know what? That's true. I co sign with that. Sick of that, too. Because Matt Carpenter has been a great member of this organization and a great representative of St. Louis. He does so much for our community. And have the results been there? Over no. the past few seasons, no. And he, the, the reason that that bothers me is because this is someone that cares so much, and this is someone that the results were not there for lack of effort. I mean, the knock on Matt Carpenter is that he worked too much, that he yep. might overextend himself or injure himself because he works so much. And it's it's not his fault, and I don't think that he deserved a lot of the heat that he took. I know I probably sounded like a total homer in the on the games, uh, and people were like, yeah, no kidding, Dan. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> towards Carpenter at the end, because I really wanted to see him have, him go, have a good send-off because he he was a very good Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we deal in the immediacy and the now. And if you look at the contract, the extension he signed, uh, do you say, did he live up to it? Statistically, no, he did not. It, and it was terrible. It, and it hamstrung the Cardinals. But And that's what we think about right now. But then you go back to 55 doubles, the at-bats against Kershaw, the fact that you play third, second, um, was one of the top leadoff men in the game for a long time. And did it all in a Cardinal uniform. And that's what I'd rather think of than the guy I saw at the end, which was it was tough to get him in a game and tough to get in a bat where he had success. It just didn't happen. And that's what we think of now is because that's the society we live in. We're in the immediacy and Mm -hmm. and that's what we think of. And I understand that. But look at the full. I'm, I'm just asking you to look at the full body of work. He was a very good player. He and he gave this organization everything he had. Yeah, absolutely. Everything he had. That's thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mac, Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in our friend, lead host for MLB Network. It's Greg Amzinger. Good morning. Good morning, Greg. Excuse me. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm sitting on a beautiful parking lot of a golf course and I'm uh, waiting to rent the sport of golf for two consecutive days. Yesterday, I played out of my mind and I'm trying to do it back to back days, which, as you both know, is 
damn near impossible to do. Well, not with you, Greg. I mean, you seem to basically uh, passed up family life, uh, being a father, and dedicated your life to golf. So I, I figured you're pretty locked in. Time out. Time out. What? I just I just dropped my son off at school. I'm I got a match today. I normally pick him up and then we both play. So I have an 11 year old that wants to be a Division One golfer, and he is a stud. Yesterday he shot an 89 after school at our course. Wow. 89. Yeah, is he he's playing from really, the tips really or what? No, no, he's actually playing from the women's tees. So he, so when he plays in matches, he plays competitively. He plays from the kids' tees and he's driver wedge. So nice. when he plays with me, he plays back. And it's much more much more competitive. But yeah, he he beats me now. That's how good he is. He's eleven. So I, I, I tell him all the time. I tell him all the time. You might think Dad has a great job, but my dream job is to be your caddy on the PGA Tour. <laughs> well, you That's will be financially job. one way or another. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing your son on tour, Greg. That will be exciting to watch young Amzinger thrive. Um, okay, Greg, how prepared should I be emotionally if the Astros win the World Series? I just keep watching these games and they look so good. And I think I need to really sit down and prepare myself to be perpetually annoyed. Uh, you know, you're not the only one saying that. From a television perspective, we want drama, and the plot here is so thick. I would love to see the Astros play the Dodgers in the World Series. Oh, yeah. Now, there are folks in San Francisco that think I've been hating on their team the entire year. And in some ways, maybe I have because I just never bought it. I can't believe this recipe for success actually worked. But I think the Dodgers are going to prevail tonight. I think the Dodgers will eventually make it to the World Series, and we will have a rematch of Astros-Dodgers. And just picture bases loaded seventh inning key moment in game two and Carlos Correa is facing Joe Kelly I mean that sounds like a movie I after the way they went at it I, I just think there's so much hate between these two clubs it's what I want to see I, I want to see Dodger fans boo relentlessly the Astros and I want to see Astro fans go crazy when Bellinger walks up to the plate for the comments he made uh, about the Astros this is the this is the coolest matchup to me from a television perspective I don't have any horse in the, in the race anymore from a from a perspective of covering a story this would be epic do you think i'm making too much of it that uh rob manfred was like oh boston is in this thing oh no <laughs> houston is in this thing and then all of a sudden as we get closer to the alcs here in the next few days all these stories that uh, kind of resurface about the cheating scandals and the various things do you think it's kind of a nightmare for him and let's not forget that on the National League side, you got Atlanta, who's right. only four wins away from hosting the World Series after he pulled the All-Star game from that city. So, yeah, he's got a Great lot point. going on right now mentally. Because, uh, I look, Alex Cora's comments after they punched their ticket to the ALCS, to me, was just the, the humility there, the honesty. He understood he messed up. And what we've seen are second chances and guys take advantage and make the most of it. A.J. Hinch had a great year managing the Detroit Tigers. Uh, if you told me who do you think, Greg, will be the manager of the New York Mets next year, I would say it's Carlos Beltran. Uh, be just based on, on the theme of giving guys second chances. That's who they wanted to be the manager in the first place. Francisco Lindor loves him, uh, the Puerto Rican connection, so that's who I would say gets another second chance. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh, Alex Cora was upfront about it. Uh, obviously, it's something that's going to be talked about an awful lot if we see 
yeah, the Astros make it to the World Series uh, after everything that Tapera, the Chicago White Sox, brought up again. It's not going away. Dusty Baker's ready to talk about it. I think all the Astros players understand it's part of what they signed up for by cheating in the first place. But like Michelle said at the beginning of this, we know we have to assume they're not cheating now, right? And they're good. From top to bottom, when you've got Kyle Tucker with 30 home runs, batting seventh in your lineup, this is a really good baseball team, and they don't need to cheat to get to where they're going. So annoying, Greg. Greg Hamzinger here with us from MLB (laughs) Network on 101 ESPN. And I was so shocked to see the Red Sox take down the Rays, Greg. And it's interesting. I I was Googling the Rays yesterday because I wanted to read some breakdowns of the season and and look forward. And all I could find when I Google the Rays is stuff about the team moving or splitting time with Montreal. If you're a Rays fan, and I know the jokes are out there, there's not many. But if you're a Rays fan, can you imagine losing in the postseason and then wondering if your team might not be there half the year? Not really because, I mean, they had a playoff game at at their ballpark and we're going crazy because they had over 30,000 fans, but there were still empty seats. Empty seats in a playoff game. It's not a huge venue. It's it's the worst venue. I mean, that ballpark's a joke. Could you imagine if there was a Game 7 of a World Series inside Tropicana Field and it was decided on a pop-up that should end the World Series, but it hit a catwalk and, I mean, there's no minor league ballpark that would be okay with having a roof that's so much in play. And, oh, by the way, let's make sure the roof is white so you can't pick up where the ball is. Like it's a, it, To me, it's a disaster. It's reminiscent of when the Expos were playing in Olympic Stadium. Unfortunately, the market of Montreal was defined by a bad ballpark. It is an amazing city. If you take media market sizes in North America, Montreal is the largest media market that doesn't have a Major League Baseball team. Rob Manfred wants two Major League Baseball teams in Canada. Uh, There's just too much money to be made. So I think it's eventually, the Rays are eventually going to be full-time in Montreal. If taking the lid off this story is putting them split, to split it between the two, if that makes it easier to eventually get them there, then so be it. But 10 years from now, I think the Montreal Expos, with the original logo and uniforms, will be back playing it'll be the former tampa bay Rays. yeah it, it does seem to be going that direction I, I thought it was interesting i don't know if you saw this greg but uh they had at the sports business journal they, they basically do like that symposium and they bring in the commissioners of the leagues and and top executives and manfred was none too kind about what was happening also with oakland and so that's another situation that may have to get resolved here in the next few years with uh, gambling being such a uh, uh, focus now in Major League Baseball, uh, MGM is heavily involved with uh, our network. Um, some of the shows that we're doing, we have a gambling show now. I watch it. I like it. It's a terrific program, and I think people are into it. And they've got DraftKings on their phone, and, and they're into uh, sports betting in baseball. There's just so many opportunities to do it. Uh, I, it. Just to me, it's a no-brainer. Watching the Raiders have so much success, watching the Knights have so much success in Las Vegas, the Oakland Athletics, to me, it, it are, are a lock to be the Las, Ve- Las Vegas Athletics. Mm. That, that, to me, that franchise will be in Las Vegas in the next five years. 
Uh, I don't see this getting cleared up in, in the city of Oakland. Um, you know, I've been to Oakland and they've got passionate fans. They do. But if you can't get on the same page as to where the ballpark's going to be and you don't work with ownership, you don't work with the league, there's just too much pushback. And, and you're doing that when you've got a first class product right across the bridge in San Francisco. So you really have no, you, you, you can't complain too much when there's another team that's thriving uh, steps away. So uh, I, I think their time in Oakland is just about up. My friend Matt Vasgersian doesn't want to hear that. He loves his Oakland A's, but those swinging A's are going to be swinging to Vegas. Man. Uh, finally, Greg, our question of the day here on 101 ESPN is now that there's been a little bit of time for the dust to settle, we're looking back on the 2021 season for the St. Louis Cardinals. What grade would you give the Cardinals for this past season? You know, I'd say B+. Plus. I would say a B plus. They dealt with a lot of injuries. I know every single team does. But when you miss so much time from your ace, I mean, ask the New York Mets what happened when Jacob DeGrom wasn't taking the ball anymore. They, they sort of folded. This team won 17 straight games without their best pitcher on the mound. Uh, to watch their veterans turn things around and lead this club, I said it before, the young outfield was the big question mark coming in. Now they might be the most exciting outfield to look forward to in 2022. It's, now it's a strength of the team. Uh, there's a lot of upside to have a rotation now with depth, considering everyone will be back, including Adam Wainwright. The bullpen has to be better. I expect them to make additions to the bullpen, which is already exciting. So I think this team is going to be the heavy favorite to win the NL Central over the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers will have a ton of starting pitching back. I clearly understand that. They dangled Josh Hader last year. I would be shocked if Josh Hader is the closer of the Milwaukee Brewers going into 2022. This is how they operate. They want to they want to move while the stock is as high as it's ever going to be. His K per nine was over 15. He had a sub-2 ERA, a lot of mileage on his herky-jerky mechanics. I think they move him this winter, and they'll put Devin Williams in the closer role, and they'll probably have a strong bullpen. But we saw the weakness of their offense, top to bottom. They can't score consistently. The Cardinals will have the names. They've got the pedigree. They'll be the heavy favorite. So they're a B-plus this year, going to an A next year, back in the playoffs in my eyes. Great stuff, as always, from Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. Thanks for the time, Greg. We'll talk to you next week and hit him well today. I will do my best. I'll try to make some money and think of you when I do it. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Talk to you wow. later. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. You know, my if, goodness. if he does make him some money, he can Venmo us. Well, that's true. You know, yeah, we, take a little portion of that. And... You don't have to just think of us, Greg. You could always give us a little slice of the pie. Are you a Venmo person? Isn't everyone? I've never Venmoed. You should. It's convenient. It's easy, isn't it? It's very easy. Yeah. I you still... don't have to say, hang on, let me pull out my checkbook. And write you a check. I still write checks. Yeah, I write checks sometimes, too. I don't do direct deposit. You don't do direct deposit? No, I like to see everything. You like a physical check in your hands? Yeah, that's how I do it. See, I like to not have to go to the bank. I understand that. And in COVID, it was probably great. Uh, And I understand that I'm really lacking in my... Should what I should be doing, but yeah, I don't do that. You like what you like. I like what I like, and it <laughs> frustrates my wife to no end. She's like, "Please, you're you're acting like a grandpa," and I said, "No, I just you know, I, this is how I like to roll. I don't see the big problem in that. I don't think there's a problem at all." That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Whatever. Smallman. Coming up next, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. It's time for take it or leave it. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mack and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Attention, Scott Air Force Base. You can join the Fast Lane this Thursday for a special military appreciation live broadcast from 2 to 6. For service members, their families, and anyone currently on base, come check out the Fast Lane military appreciation live broadcast. It's from 2 to 6 at Scott Air Force Base today, today, and that's brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. Dan, it's time for a little Teoli action. Take it or leave it. Let's head to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Emily, what do you have for us? From the 314, take it or leave it, Dylan Carlson finishes with better offensive numbers than Randy Rosarena next year. I'm going to take that. I'll I, take I that think too. I think he's just going to get better and better and better. Um, now, if you're asking me if both teams go to the postseason, who am I taking? <laughs> I'd probably go Randy Rosarena with the way that things have gone. But. Um, I, I think this guy, the sky's the limit, man. It's just going to get better and better and better. And we have to remind ourselves he's only 22. And he was making adjustments throughout the year when he'd hit a lull. And even at the end of the year when their teams are shifting against him, did it in the game against the Dodgers the other night, just punches one through the left side. Um, and I think by him just playing right field, I, I would project him as being your everyday right fielder, even though he can play all three outfield spots. There's a comfort ability there, and I think he's very good defensively. So, yeah, I think that uh, I would take that Carlson would. Yeah, me too. From the 314, take it or leave it, Nolan Gorman will be the opening day second baseman. Hmm. I'm going to leave that. I'm leaving that, I'm going to leave that. What, do you, what role do you think they'll have for Nolan Gorman? I'm fascinated by what they do with him. Um, me too. He's really good defensively at third. They primarily played him at second, thinking, okay, we've got Nolan in the fold for a number of years. Now they need a left-handed bat. And I I don't know if I'd want to pigeonhole him as just an everyday DH. Yeah. So does Tommy Edmond move over to short or become a Swiss Army knife? I don't like that either. I I don't either. I I like Tommy Edmond's defense, and I don't expect Nolan Gorman to play that type of defense. I would say that Tommy Edmond is just, if if he's not equal with Wong, he's just a little bit below. But he's really good defensively at second base. So I, I, it's going to be kind of a, a unique situation with a young player that his bat carries him to the big leagues, but yet the positions are filled, but yet his bat is going to play. I expect him to be in the major leagues next year. I think the greater question would be, is he not at second base, but does he make the team coming out of spring? And what's that role? Is he the DH? And maybe he is. And maybe it's a chance to give... Um, but, you know, Arnado plays every day. I mean, I do, do you you want to play Tommy at, at, at short and a couple of times a week so that... But Trevor Story's going to be here, Dan, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. That's going to be accounted for. I, I agree. I... I <laughs> I think he can make the opening day roster. I just don't think it would be with the at the position of second base. It's a good problem, I guess, you have if you're the Cardinals, that you feel so confident about so many of your players that a talent like Nolan Gorman, you don't necessarily have an everyday spot for him. But, yeah, I think Tommy Edmond has certainly deserve, deserved the benefit of the doubt and earned his spot. I, if I'm the Cardinals, I don't want to move him no. just yet. But I do want to find a space for Nolan Gorman at some point. And maybe it's the DH because mm-hmm. he's not going to play the outfield. 
and your third baseman isn't moving, and the other yeah. guy that you look at is second. So when you're looking at position-wise, it would be defensively second base, but the DH does open up some avenues to get him here and, and have those at-bats. Because here's the other thing. He's not coming up here to just sit on the bench and get the occasional pinch hit and be the occasional DH or the occasional start here or there. When he comes up, he's going to play. You're not just going to have that guy in that bat just sit and and stunt his growth. So that's not going to happen. From the 314, take it or leave it, we see Matthew Libertor before the All-Star break next year. I would love to take that. I'm going to take it. I, I think we will. His final 10 starts at the uh, at AAA were really good. So he had the Olympic experience. Now, he didn't compete in the Olympics, but was with the qualifiers and was very good. And then the final 10 starts, you, you break it down. He was really good. And Michelle, for him, you know, being 21 years old, I believe he's 21 still, um, to jump from A ball to AAA, and in between have no minor league season except a satellite camp and to do that and then have success at a young age that's impressive so maybe what you do is kind of like what the brewers have done cardinals have done this in the past with certain guys he's in your bullpen and is a lefty that could maybe give you multiple innings because he'll be stretched out as a starter in the in spring training and uh is a guy that turns into a weapon out of your bullpen and eventually graduates to the uh the rotation which is the idea and i think that would be something that he and gorman are two guys that will go into spring training that will have a chance to make this club they're gonna have to give good springs mm-hmm. and show some things but they're gonna have a shot i would think so Libertor turns 22 in November, November okay. 6th of his birthday, so he'll be 22. And I listened to your interview with Gary LaRock earlier yes. this week. It was amazing. He gave a lot of great information. And I think for Cardinals fans, if they didn't catch that, they need to go back on yeah. the podcast and listen to your conversation with Gary LaRock because I think a lot of Cardinals fans are feeling pretty good about the state of this club right now heading into next season. And then if you think about some of the talent that is waiting in the wings that could be on the way, whether it's Jordan Walker or Matthew Libertor or Nolan Gore, Gorman, this Cardinals team could be in a really good position for the future. Yeah, and the minor leagues took it on the chin this year, the Cardinals at all levels, wins and losses. It was an ugly year. And don't get me wrong when I say this, I want to see them win. And I think you benefit, like the Memphis Mafia, oh, they, yeah. they won in the minor leagues. And there was another wave of guys that won under Stubby Clap. There is something about being in pressurized situations that means something in postseason play. So it's, it, I want to see them win. However, their minor leagues, all those levels, they were either the youngest team or the second youngest team, I believe, at all levels. So they were really pushing these guys, and it's about development more so than it is about wins and losses. Do I want to see him win? Yes. Do I think there's something that's important in doing that? Absolutely. But it's about development. And if you can have Libertor, Gorman, and not too far behind a young Jordan Walker come up that is an impact, impactful player and bad, that's what it's about, uh, developing those type of players. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thank you for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up next, we want to hear from you again. What grade are you going to give the Cardinals for the 2021 season? Dan and I shared ours earlier. We'll revisit that and hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Danny Mac, Michelle Smallman with you on this Thursday. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Dan and I were just talking about Randy and how Randy is, Randy is the best. He's the best. And that as much as we miss him, we're glad that he's enjoying some time off. So this is kind of funny. I guess uh, uh, a fighter texted in um, and said, uh, and Emily said, well, we have uh, Drew McIntyre is going to be our fighter today of what what is he? What WWE? Wrestling? He's WWE. Okay. WWE, WWE superstar. Okay. Superstar. And they're coming to town. Yes. Okay. Yes. Saturday. Royal Rumble. Saturday, January 29th, the Royal Rumble is coming to the Dome at America Center. Got it. Okay. So we're going to promote that. We're going to have a little fight with that dude. And then <laughs> um, the thing was, though, we uh, the texter said, "Great, no problem. I want to fight Randy in capital letters anyway." So Randy has a challenge here, mm-hmm. and everybody wants to take him down, but you just can't because the dude is too good. I said everybody wants to face Randy until they actually face Randy. I think that's right because the guy, again, I don't think I would trust him with my checkbook, the aforementioned checkbook, or managing <laughs> my money. Thank God he's got Joan, but I would uh, I would not want to fight him in a in a in the you know any kind of the the fight i i don't want to do that i don't want him doing my numbers for my money but i matter of fact i don't think i want him doing a lot of things in everyday life but when it comes to sports yeah i'm not taking on randy hey we were told there's no math in this job so i wouldn't want any of us to do the numbers that's right who's calling you what's up i gotta turn that down (laughs) sorry the thing the thing about randy is i wouldn't want to fight him in a sports trivia competition or in real life if it was ever physical altercation this is just for people out there because randy has blackout rage I've seen it a couple of times. Blackout anger. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, still scarred if Randy's listening over the Mark Sauer booked guest uh, interview. <laughs> I'm still scarred about that. Our days at KMOX 30 years ago. But somehow I'm going to get over it. That was the He was really mad. And that was the first time I've ever seen him mad. It's because it's so outside of his personality that if Randy ever does get mad, he just blacks out. He doesn't even remember doing it. It's like his body just takes over. Now, um... Do we have a uh, like a segment like fact or fiction? We can do it right now. Okay. It's time for fact or fiction here on 101 ESPN with Dan McLaughlin. Is, there a, is there a dent in the wall from Randy throwing um, <laughs> a phone at a... Um, at one of his co-hosts. You know, I have never seen a dent in the wall. I okay. don't know if that's true. I can't imagine Randy ever doing anything like that. So I'm going to say that that's fiction. Okay. How about factor fiction that he actually threw the phone? I just, again, Randy is a sweetheart. He's a lover, not a fighter. Okay, I can't so I, see him throwing anything. I can go with the non-dent in the wall. I just don't know if he didn't throw the actual phone. Did hear some things about that. But, hey, we we uh, we digress, don't we? Well, let's get back to the subject, subject du jour of the day. What grade are you going to give the Cardinals for the 2021 season? We asked for your mic drops and your texts on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. If you haven't downloaded that yet, what are you doing? Go ahead and download it. It's free. Or you can send us a text, 65780, like this one from the 618, Dan. I'd give them a B minus. It was an average roster. And like the saying goes, you can put makeup on a pig, but it's still a pig. I don't I don't agree with an average roster. Um, I think when you look at Tyler O'Neill, who might get some MVP votes in left, that's a good player. Harrison Bader might win a gold glove in center field and was better offensively this year. Mm-hmm. Dylan Carlson's going to get rookie of the year votes and actually had more extra base hits than Stan the man in his first season in the big leagues. Your third baseman drove in a hundred and popped 33 home runs and is going to win his ninth gold glove shortstop. Yes. That was a position that needs to be upgraded or an improvement there. Tommy Edmond, 
you know, Texter just brought this up, and I've seen it as well. Baseball Savant had him rated out as the best defensive second baseman in the game. He also, I, I, I should know this, did he wind up leading the league in doubles? I can't remember if he finished either one or two. He was up there. Yeah. Who so, were you looking at? I'm sorry. I was Tommy Edmonds. I can, I can check on yeah. that. Your first baseman could be the MVP of the league. Your catcher was really good at times, uh, but defensively stands out where you had issues was until you changed the roster with your additions was the pitching and the pitching got really good at the end you had six to seven guys six for sure that you felt fairly comfortable with and i'm throwing alex reyes in there depending on the situation um, that you felt comfortable with i felt comfortable with alex reyes starting an inning or high leverage middle innings but a clean inning the other guys i felt very good about tj mcfarland turned out to be uh, a savior for this team garcia was a savior so the roster by the end you don't get to 90 wins by having a subpar roster that's that's not true so they had guys that uh Obviously, they added that really helped out that made a difference for that club Uh, in terms of the doubles. okay, Tommy had 41 Harper had 42 Whitmer and in the National League, Ozzy Albies had 42. So Mm -hmm. he was one back. He finished second. And J.D. Martinez led all uh, major leaguers with 43 with the Boston Red Sox. So. I just disagree. I, I give him an A minus, but I look at it as a tale of two different teams, and they were a different team when they added those guys. I'm with you. I I think that part of the reason that some people would grade the Cardinals lower is because of the talent they had on the roster and because of the names on the roster. I think they would say that the talent was there, but they didn't live up to expectations consistently throughout the season. Well, let, let's let me ask you this: Did Nolan uh, Arenado live up to your expectations this year? I'd say so, absolutely. I, but, but I still think there's another gear for him. Like, Man, the guy hits you know thirty and drives in a hundred. Now, I, I would say the average and on base percentage would would lead me to say that is another level that that was a part of his game that was better in Colorado that we didn't see that first year. But in terms of being an impact bat in the middle of the lineup and the defense, the defense, he was he was ridiculous. just incredible. Did Goldie live up to expectations? For my money, he did. Uh, Take away his first 50 games, he was not great. But then after that, he was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. You know, so those are the guys you're counting on, the middle of your lineup. And then you were saying, okay, can somebody emerge in this outfield? We're going to learn about our outfielders. Tyler O'Neill way surpassed what I thought he was going to be. And we're we're watch, we're seeing this guy blossom into a superstar potentially, and in September he was a superstar. He was one of the best players in the game. He so was an MVP. He he was, and uh, so that's why I think it's funny. I mean, you lose, you get ninety wins, you don't win a division, and you lose in that first game that you have winner take all. And yet I'm more excited about Cardinal baseball next year than I have been in a long time. Couldn't agree with that more. Also, uh, I just want to say something to that texter clearly. You haven't watched a lot of YouTube tutorials because you would be surprised what makeup can do. Oh, is that right? Yes. You can put lipstick or makeup on a pig. It's still a pig. Mm-mm. If you get the right bead on your face, it can transform everything. Is that right? Just saying. Google it. I haven't in- had the uh, enjoyable experience yet. Consider yourself lucky. Maybe it's very I need time to. consuming. It's very time consuming. Are you sending me a message when I'm you know, doing <laughs> games on TV? Dan, no. you need to use a little makeup here. You're getting old and you got wrinkles. You're you're looking, you know. No, Dan. Your skin is flawless. Oh, thank you. you. Yeah. (laughs) It means so much. Okay, one more text from the Air Compass. 
Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I can't get the Cardinals higher than a C. And that's because of the roster moves and improved batting approach that improved at the end. I have to account for the majority of the season where this team was lackluster and they had low energy. Uh, I say when you look at the month of June and you don't hit, you look flat. And so that's a byproduct of not hitting. Um, and then again, going back to when you had four fifths of your rotation out and injured, that was big. I mean, remember at one point, DeYoung gets hurt because he gets hit by a pitch. They weren't sure what happened, and he had like a little fracture in the rib or mm-hmm. whatever. And then it was Bader diving for a ball. He hurts his ribs. Yeah. He's out. O'Neal breaks a finger, and then Jack Flaherty went out. And when Flaherty went out, which was on May 28th, I believe, or 30th, something like that, that was the gut punch. That was the one that really uh, made it hard to sustain winning because – and Randy it talks about it all the time. Uh, a a, a frontline starter can stop a losing skid. Uh-huh. You know, you got that guy and you're thinking, okay, we can win with that guy. And Wayno did that. Wayno picked it up and was able to stop a lot of losing uh, streaks. I think he had like 11 or 12 wins after losses, which is incredible. But Flaherty is a the frontline guy when healthy that you say, I don't care who you're throwing, Max Scherzer, you, you named Urias, the best guy that you can think of. I'm I'm still going to think we got a good shot if I'm the Cardinals because I got Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that, that that was the gut punch. But when you were healthy, you were a really good team, and the roster was very good. And we saw that at the end, especially defensively. Defensively, that was the best team in baseball. Very, very athletic, and that's why I'm excited about uh, what happens next year. Dan McLaughlin, Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals season may be over, but the Blues are just getting started. They're opening the season this Saturday versus the Avalanche. You can catch all the action here on 101 ESPN, starting with pregame at 7 p.m. And we're going to talk Blues hockey with John Kelly. He's coming up next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Sam McLaughlin, Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. We wanted to let you know that you can join us for a blue season preview party this Friday, tomorrow at Copper Fire on Belleville, Illinois. Beautiful downtown Belleville, Illinois. The Blues are kicking off the regular season on Saturday. And to celebrate, 101 ESPN is going to host a day-long live broadcast at Copper Fire tomorrow. You can hang out with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2. The Fast Lane is going to be there from 2 to 6. And then a live last-minute Blues podcast with Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango, and Jeff Burton from 6 to 7. There's going to be special guest roles through all day. There's appetizer special, specialty drinks, and a blues giveaway, Dan, every hour from 11 to 7, including signed pucks, a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey, and a Market Street Dream lithiograph from artist Rick Rush and much more. It's the 101 ESPN Blue Season Preview Party. It's this Friday at Copper Fire in Belleville. You can get all the details at 101ESPN.com. Now let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in John Kelly, Blues TV play-by-play announcer on Valley Sports Midwest. Follow him on Twitter at jkellyhockey. Good morning, John. It's great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm great, Michelle. How are you guys today? We're doing awesome. I'm doing great, John. I can't wait to hear your voice beginning on Saturday. You fired up? Cannot wait. You know, Danny, it's like you know, opening day for baseball sure. here in St. Louis. It's a tradition. Um, and for me, as a hockey fan, the summers are long here in St. Louis, Dan. I don't like the heat. 
and I don't like having no hockey, even though I love Cardinal baseball. You better watch your steps, sir. You <laughs> no, I watch love your... Cardinal baseball, but, you know, I'm a hockey fan, number one, and I can't wait for this season to get going. I think the Blues had a really good camp, a couple of surprises, and I think a lot of folks are underestimating this team, and I'm really excited. I'm with you, John. We talked about this yesterday with Bernie Federico that the Blues seem to be getting not a lot of love nationally. So when you look at this team and what you've seen from them in the preseason, how do you think they stack up in the Central Division? Well, I think that right now Colorado on paper is the, the, the top of the, of the class, and they showed it again last night. You know, they raced out to a 3 nothing lead against Chicago, won the game 4-2, and they're still missing a couple of key players. And, oh, by the way, Nathan McKinnon didn't even play last night. He's in COVID protocol. Not sure if he'll play against the Blues on Saturday. That would be a big break if he if he was still in protocol. But, you know, having said that, they're, they're the best team on paper. Um, but I think that they've been weakened a little bit. They lost Jonas Donskoy. They lost Brandon Saad, of course, to the Blues. So we'll see how they do. But there's no question they're a playoff team. And I think after that, there, there's a, a group of teams, including a, a club like Dallas, that missed the playoffs last year. Remember, they weren't in the Blues division last year. They had those new divisions. But Dallas is a team that obviously went to the final two years ago. So you can't, you can't underestimate how, how good they could be. I think Chicago will be a better team this year with Jonathan Taves back, and uh, they got Marc-Andre Fleury in goal. But I think the Blues are a playoff team. There's no question about it. Um, but there are some question marks, just like with most teams every year. But I, I, especially up front, guys, I love the Blues' depth, and I mentioned surprises. I think it's a surprise that James Neal came in and not only just made the team but played so well. He scored four goals in preseason, and I actually did the game Friday night with Joey on 101 ESPN, and I thought that Neal on a line with Robert Thomas and Tarasenko was the Blues' best line. Now, again, it was against a Columbus team that had a, a basically a minor league lineup, um, so you have to put it in perspective, but he looked really good. And Jake Neighbors, the 19-year-old rookie, has made the club out of training camp and has looked good in all kinds of different roles. And I know that Craig Bruby likes him a lot. Now, how will he play once they drop the puck for real? We'll find out. But I think those are the two players that, that were surprises. But, you know, obviously there are still some question marks as well. You know, Robert Thomas, how does he bounce back after an off year, injuries and things like that? And we all know about Tarasenko and his, you know, injury woes the last few years and, you know, asking, asking to be traded and things like that. But he looked really good in training camp. So I, I love the Blues depth at forward, but there are still some question marks. The name that you did not mention, John, and I think right or wrong and with every team, it always comes down to, in a lot of ways, goaltending. And Bennington was so good when they won the Cup. I thought he was great prior to the bubble. And I think he's, there's been times where we've seen him be very, very good. But, you know, that consistent guy that is in a, you know, upper echelon goalie in the league, top third, let's say, in the National Hockey League. So how was his camp and, and where do you think he is going into this season? Yeah, I think he had a really good camp and played well in preseason. And, yeah, you know, I think some people, Dan, get caught up in, in numbers and his playoff numbers since winning the Stanley Cup are not good, to say the least. He hasn't won a game as the Blues were, were swept um, last year and a couple of years ago. Bennington, in that loss to Vancouver, did not win a game. So, But I think, obviously, Dan, as, as you know better than anybody covering the Blues for so many years, your goaltender is only as good as the people in front of you. Sure. And quite honestly, last year the Blues did not defend as well. 
and they had injuries to the back end. I mean, a guy like Pareko played at, you know, 50% or whatever for most of the year. Tory Crew can can up his game in his second year with the Blues. So, you know, they're hoping that they can be better defensively, and and I think that they will be better defensively, and I'm, I'm not worried about Bennington. I think when when the Blues defend well, and, you know, they don't give up the odd man rushes and, and things like that. Like any goaltender, he's only human. But I think he's certainly more than capable of being the number one goaltender on this hockey club and, and hopefully going deep this year. John Kelly Blues, play-by-play voice on Bally Sports Midwest, joining us here on 101 ESPN. And, John, I couldn't agree with you more about Colton Pareko. That's one thing when we were reading a lot of the national pundits and their projections for the Blues this year. I don't think enough people nationally took into account what a healthy Colton Pareko does for this team and what he was dealing with last year. When you have a healthy Colton Pareko, not only does that completely change the complexity of your defense, it completely changes the complexity of your team and their chances. Well, you're right, Michelle. He's a horse. Uh, you know, when they won the Cup, everyone looks at Petrangelo, the captain, and he scored the winning goal in Game 7. We all know that. And, you know, he's a great player. He really is. He's one of the top defensemen in the NHL. But the facts are, on most nights during the Cup run, the shutdown pairing was Pareko and Jay Bowmeister. So Pareko played in every series, Winnipeg, Dallas, San Jose, and, and Boston, obviously. He played against the best players every night, and he was phenomenal. Now, he had a great partner, the veteran Bowmeister, but he was phenomenal as the Blues won the Cup. So I think he was playing at, you know, maybe less than 50% um, for a while there. Then he took a pause and came back and played better um, at the end of the year and in the playoffs. But, you know, he is, to me, an underrated defenseman. And when he's on his game, he is, he is one of the best defending defensemen in the league and a really good overall big force back on the Blues um, right side. So you look at Pareko and Justin Falk on the right side, that's really good um, to start any team, any defensive core. So, you know, again, I think that Scandella's got to come in and play and play better. We mentioned Krug. And then you hope that one of the young kids uh, um, that can step up, a Mikola or Jake Wallman, can, can show improvement and, you know, get better, get better and get bigger minutes and, and, a, and a bigger workload because the Blues are going to need all these guys. It's, it's a long year, a tough year. So, um, But I think a healthy Pareko is a, is a huge shot in the arm for the St. Louis Blues, no question. AJK, hey, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 69 games will be televised locally starting this Saturday with an hour-long pregame show. Uh, you and Darren Pang on, on Bally Sports. And we're seeing the introduction now of hockey back to ESPN. And we're seeing the great one, Wayne Gretzky, one of my favorite athletes all time, uh, part of the TNT broadcast. So going back to ESPN and introducing Wayne, what do you think about that, just uh, in trying to grow the sport and, and bring more fans in? I think it's fantastic. I watched uh, most of the pregame show, the intermissions last night, and, and Wayne was great. Uh, Charles Barkley came on the set for a while. They were the shooting pucks at, at him, the, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he shot some uh, some pucks at him. Um, <laughs> they were soft rubber pucks, so they weren't real pucks. But anyways, it was – you know what, Danny – I was sitting there watching the pregame show with my wife, Jennifer, and, and she likes sports, but she's not a diehard. And, and normally she wouldn't sit and watch a pregame show with me. But she did last night. And you know what she said? You know, that was entertaining. That was fun. And that's, that's I think, what they're trying to get across is, yeah, you want to appeal to the diehard hockey fans because they'll be there watching you. 
but you also want to appear to the casual fans, like perhaps my wife and a lot of other folks, who want to be entertained. And, and after that show last night, I, I you know, watched the game, and I thought, you know, that was an entertaining pregame show. And they really didn't get into X's and O's and, and diagrams and things like that. They just entertained you, and I thought it was fantastic. And, and finally, Dan, as you said, Wayne Gretzky, one of the greatest people ever, the greatest hockey player ever. Anytime you can have him be in your game, around the game of hockey, the NHL, and be prominent, I think it's a big win for hockey fans in the National Hockey League. That's John Kelly, Blues TV play-by-play announcer on Bally Sports Midwest. John, thanks so much for the conversation. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we're going to talk to you next week. Okay, thanks very much, Michelle and Dan. You guys have a great show. Thanks, J.K. Thanks, J.K. That's John Kelly here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, Dan, it's the fight here on 101 ESPN like we do every day at 830. But we have a special edition of the fight because one of us is going to be challenged by WWE superstar Drew McIntyre. I think we should just team up. I like that. It's a little tag team on uh, Drew McIntyre. We'll we'll, uh, relate it to uh, wrestling. Okay. I love that. Go over the ropes. You know, we got to touch hands. Pile drive. Yeah, somebody comes in. All right, get the chair ready. chair off his head, whatever. (laughs) Let's do it. Well, we're going to have a fight next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed Mac and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And if you're a WWE fan, you know what that sound means. You know what this song is. We're going to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we're welcoming in WWE superstar Drew McIntyre. This is really exciting. WWE Royal Rumble is going to take place here in St. Louis on Saturday, January 29th, live from the Dome at a manor. You want to put your alerts on because tickets for Royal Rumble are going to go on sale tomorrow, Friday, October 15th at 10 a.m. You can get tickets through Ticketmaster. You know that Royal Rumble is one of WWE's biggest events of the year, and it officially kicks off the road to WrestleMania, and we're so excited that WWE and the Royal Rumble are coming to St. Louis. So let's welcome in WWE superstar, two-time WWE champion, Drew McIntyre here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Drew. Thanks for taking the time to join us. How you doing? I'm absolutely marvelous. Thank you for having me. And uh, you're no stranger to fights, but you're going to take a different type of fight with us here today on 101 ESPN. What we do every day is a sports trivia competition. I'm sure you've been prepped on this, but how do you feel about taking on our version of a fight? Uh, well, I have nothing for it, so it should be pretty interesting. <laughs> Even better. Well, hopefully it's based around uh, soccer, since I know very little about any other sport. <laughs> we do have some soccer questions in here for you, Drew. Don't worry. So Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals here in St. Louis on Valley Sportsman West, and he does a show here on 101 ESPN, is with us. And, Drew, he's going to be your challenger today. Let's go, Drew. All right. All I right. Get to Here, we Here we go. Here we go. I can do this thing. WWE superstar. Yeah, put that on your resume, Dan. You can Absolutely. put that in your Twitter bio. So, Here Drew, a lot at stake. All right, Drew. So, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the questions to you and give you three options, and then you're going to give us your answer, okay? Okay. All right. Question number one for the fight with WWE superstar Drew McIntyre. Question number one, Drew. Which country won the first ever World Cup in 1930? Was it Brazil, Uruguay, or Argentina? 
Uh, I used to have a VHS tape of the history of the World Cup, and back then it was always those three teams. It was either Uruguay or Argentina. I'm going to go with Uruguay for the first World Cup. Okay, good guess. And shout out to VHS tapes. You know, I had those too. All right, question question number two, Drew. Who scored the fastest hat trick in Premier League history? Is it Robbie Fowler, Cristiano Ronaldo, or Sadio Mane? Sadio Mane. Hmm. I don't think it would be Robbie Fowler. Nah. Ronaldo just returned to the Premier League. I go with option three because honestly, I don't even remember him, and I don't think <laughs> it's Fowler or Ronaldo because I would remember those two. Okay, Drew going with Sadio Mane, and you know what, Drew? Any reasoning is good enough. Some people just pick it because they like the, the name or because it's option two. It doesn't matter. Whatever floats your boat. All right, question number three. Logic over here. <laughs> question number three for WWE superstar Drew McIntyre. Who has won the most European Rugby Champions Champions Cups? Is it the Leicester Tigers, Toulouse, or the London Wasps? Uh, I'll go with the Wasps. I'm not quite sure about rugby. Okay. Okay. And final question for you, Drew. Who who was the first undisputed champion in WWE history? Is it The Rock, Chris Jericho, or Stone Cold Steve Austin? It was Chris Jericho. He beat The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the same night. Oh, wow. All right. little explanation there. Okay, Drew, now that you've completed the fight, how do you feel? I'll tell you in about two seconds when you tell me how I did. Okay, good. Well, now it's time for Danny Mac. Now, Dan, usually we have baseball questions, hockey question, maybe even a college football question. Okay. And uh, today we're going all over the map. So are you ready? I'm ready. Are we doing WWE questions? Are we doing soccer? What do we got? A little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. It's a grab bag today. Okay. All right. Question number one for Danny Mac. Which country won the first ever World Cup in 1930? Is it Brazil? Oh, good. I get options. You get options Okay, thank God. Brazil, Uruguay, or Argentina? Uh, I want to say Argentina, but I'm going to go Uruguay. Okay. All right. Question number two, Danny. I don't know why that stands out, but I think I'm right on that one. All right, go right ahead. Question number two for Danny Mac. Who scored the fastest hat trick in Premier League history? Is it Robbie Fowler, Cristiano Ronaldo, or Sadio Mane? Oh, it's got to be Ronaldo. Okay. Anything with Ronaldo, it's got to be Ronaldo. Pretty good guess. All right. Question number three for you, Dan. Who has won the most European Rugby Champions Cups? Who has won the most European Rugby Champions Cups? I told you we're going all over the map today. Is it... Leicester Tigers, Toulouse, or London Wasps? I have no idea, so I'm going to go B. Toulouse. Why not Toulouse? (laughs) Toulouse. Hopefully you don't Toulouse this fight. (laughs) Bad. (laughs) I know, really bad, but I had to take it. Question number four. Who was the first undisputed champion in WWE history? Is it The Rock? Is it Chris Jericho? Or is it Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, I know it's not The Rock, I'll go Jericho. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. All right. So Drew and Dan have both completed the fight. And guess what, gentlemen? We have a tie. Both of you did excellent. You got three correct, which means that we're going to go to the tiebreaker. Here's how this is going to work, Drew. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. You're going to answer first. Dan's going to write down his answer and then reveal to us what he wrote down. 
first to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Are you ready, Drew? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> okay. Dan, are you ready? Absolutely. All Let's right. do it. Okay, here we go. The tiebreaker question. In seconds, how quickly was the fastest goal scored in Premier League history? So how many seconds was the fastest goal scored in Premier League history? Drew, you're up first. <laughs> Eight seconds. I don't know. Eight? Okay. And Dan, your guess is? I'm going 59. 50. I'm not saying that they could do it single digits. That's quick. That is quick. No. There's a kickoff, and I remember a few within 30 seconds. I think it's pretty quick. Well, just you relax, okay? You're on the, the I, if you were in studio, I wouldn't give you trouble, but you're not. So you just relax, <laughs> sir. Yeah, but I'll be there on January 29th, but remember. I know you will. I'm coming off the top rope, baby, with 59 seconds. That's what I'm coming with to smack you down. All right, all right. Let's see what's happening. You all definitely right. today. Let's see who won this fight. Is it Dan or is it WWE superstar Drew McIntyre? Emily, ring the bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average show listener. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Dan, you know I love you, but Drew is a two-time WWE champion. You knew he was going to prevail somehow. Well, so he wins the fight here, and he'll probably win, you know, when he comes through on January 29th, live from the Dome at America Center. Whatever, Drew. Congratulations, Drew. I know that you're a WWE superstar. I know you're a two-time WWE champion, but you can now put 101 ESPN fight champion on your resume as well. How does it feel? amazing you know i do a, a lot of these interviews and i've had a lot of big matches including facing brock lesnar if anyone knows who he is he's a, he's a bit of a beast and i can say i was more nervous for this quiz than uh, a lot of my big wrestling moments <laughs> well you should have been okay yeah this is tough you should have been and uh i'm looking forward to seeing you uh coming through on january 29th now give our fans an idea of what this thing is going to be like so if you're if you're on the the fence and you're saying well i've seen it on tv i've never been in person what what's a fan going to get if they go there? Well, if you're in St. Louis, you're very lucky that the Royal Rumble's coming to town. You know, it's our well, probably my joint favorite event of the year with our biggest event, WrestleMania. But it's the most exciting event of the year. If you don't know what the Royal Rumble match is, I'll describe it real quick. Basically, we have 30 of our top superstars. They're going to compete for the right to fight for whatever title they want at WrestleMania. The object of the match. Every two, every two minutes, a superstar comes to the ring. We're trying to throw each other over the top rope. The last person standing can pick whatever title they want to fight for at WrestleMania. There's a male match with 30 males, a female match with 30 females. And the winner ooh, gets that big, big shot at WrestleMania. And it's so exciting. You sit in the crowd every two minutes, the anticipation of who's coming out next. You get to count down 10 to 1. You see the next superstar come out. And it's unbelievable. There's going to be 52,000 plus some crazy, crazy St. Louis people are going to be there. The atmosphere is going to be electric. You're going to be talking about it. For a long time, if you're there, it's going to be a memory for a lifetime. And I happen to have won the last huge Royal Rumble with 40,000-plus people Ooh. in Houston. This is going to smash that with over 50 in St. Louis. 
That sounds amazing. It's the WWE Royal Rumble. It's coming to St. Louis Saturday, January 29th, live from the Dome at America Center. You can get tickets for Royal Rumble. They go on sale tomorrow, October 15th at 10 a.m. through Ticketmaster. He's WWE superstar, two-time WWE champion, and now fight champion here on 101 Mm. ESPN. It's Drew McIntyre. Also, be sure to get Drew's book entitled A Chosen Destiny if you are going to the Royal Rumble in January. This is a good pregame. Get yourself set for that event. Drew, thank you so much for playing along with us. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and we look forward to seeing you in St. Louis in January. Well, I can't wait to see you all, and I'll come in in person and pick up my trophy. <laughs> Sounds good. It's, it's more of a belt. It's not. We, we'll we'll yeah, make a that's belt. Even better. You. Even better. We'll get you a belt. Add it to your no trophy problem. case. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you all for having me. Thank you. Got it. St. Louis. All right, that's Drew McIntyre, WWE superstar. And, Dan, let's reveal our answers oh, for those who are yeah, playing along at home. Yeah, what did I guess right? Because I had no idea on any of these, really. You got three correct. You did awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a good guesser, I guess. <laughs> so the country that won the first ever World Cup in 1930 is Uruguay. They defeated Argentina 4-2. to two. Got that right. You did get that correct. So did Drew. The player that scored the fastest hat trick in Premier League history is Sadio Mane, Southampton mm. versus Ashton Villa, May 16th. And I thought you couldn't go wrong with, like, Ronaldo. I agree. It's like if it's a hockey question, I'm going to guess Wayne Gretzky. Exactly. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. All right. Okay. So the... Number three, I had truly no idea. Who has won the most European Rugby Champions Cups? Drew didn't know either. Uh, But you got it correct. He did not. It was Toulouse. I I did it because I I thought it sounded cool coming off the tongue. You know, Toulouse. 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 That's the name you say with your hands. Toulouse. That's right. That's right. All right. Final question was, who was the first undisputed champion in WWE history? Drew was all over it. You got it right, too, Dan. It was Chris Jericho. I felt pretty good about that one, actually. Nice. Okay. And then the tiebreaker. This was tough. I thought I had this one. How, I thought it'd be good. Yeah, it was how how quickly in seconds was the fastest goal scored in Premier League history? Drew guessed eight. Dan, you guessed fifty nine. Yeah. The correct answer is seven point six nine seconds. Really? From Shane Long. Yeah, clearly. Single digits? Shane Long. You don't remember that in twenty eighteen? I don't. Southampton versus Watford. Watford? Watford. I should have known that. No, I did not. So seven point six nine seconds they scored a goal in Premier League action. Yeah, it was Shane Long. Huh. Mm-hmm. Who would have known? But you know what, Dan? Three correct. Even though you lost the fight to Drew McIntyre, he is a WWE champion. But it does go on the resume. I did fight Drew McIntyre. That's true. I can put that on there. People would know that it was not in a ring. It just happened to be a quiz. But I, it was in, it's known as the fight, so I feel pretty good about it. You can tell people it was in a ring. I'll back you up. Okay. All right. I can do that. Urban legend. But if he found out and we're in person... You know, that's not good. Maybe we start saying that after January, (laughs) just (laughs) so you don't run into him accidentally. Make sure that happens. And again, it's the WWE Royal Rumble. It's coming to St. Louis Saturday, January 29th. Get your tickets tomorrow on Ticketmaster. They go on sale at 10 a.m. That's Danny Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman coming up next here on 101 ESPN. It's your Killing Me Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin. And Dan, that was fun. WWE superstar Drew great. McIntyre. Not every day you talk to a, no. a WWE superstar. He was awesome. That was fun. I just saw a picture of him. He is one mean-looking big dude. Ain't messing with him. I'm glad you didn't look at that before you took the fight because you might not have had so much confidence. It's been intimidating for sure. <laughs> he had like kind of the the wet back hair, you know, yeah, long. Am. He comes out, you know, ready to rumble. Yeah, I'm not messing with him. I'm glad he won. 
I am. You're like, congratulations, sir. Thank sir, you. Sir, thank well you. done. Thank you. <laughs> for beating me. Yes. You're, You're killing, killing me, Smalls. Smalls. Well, speaking of winning, another L for the NFL and for Stan Kroenke Man. coming in court yesterday. So I'm going to read you, Dan, some tweets from Ben Fredrickson, who has been all over this story. But I think I should just read these verbatim, these tweets from Ben Fredrickson and follow him at Ben underscore Fred. He always has great information about what's going on in St. Louis He's done a sports. great job with this story. Right, with this story specifically. Absolutely. So Ben Fred tweets yesterday, NFL legal team got smacked around in relocation hearing today. Kroenke provided complete financial documents for potential punitive damages Others didn't. Hunt, Mara, Jones, and Kraft, other NFL owners, have been tagged with additional financial penalties along with legal fees. If these owners don't hand over the court-ordered financial documents by December 3rd, they can be held in contempt of court and have default judgments made against them. The judge to the NFL legal team, your clients are dragging their feet. I want your clients to know I mean business. How about that? That's that's the one that uh, got my attention. Your clients are dragging your feet. I want them to to know I mean business and when you have Mike Florio start to come out and the national media and and guys that are very prominent in the NFL media starting to comment on this and follow it, it it's just going to gain more and more and more momentum I think uh, in terms of this becoming more of a national story which I think all of us here in St. Louis at least for me I, I've been saying um, you know all of a sudden uh, you look at it and you go man um, why aren't they covering this? Why aren't they paying more attention to what's mm-hmm. happening here in uh, St. Louis? And uh, and I think now we're starting to see that. And Ben has been at the forefront of that to where when he writes about it, these national media folks will read, you know, what's happening in other cities. And then, you know, if something get, uh, you know, garners their attention, gathers their attention, um, they'll dive into it. And I just think we're seeing that more and more, especially when you think about the Super Bowl being in L.A. at that stadium in the manner in which they left. And the NFL does not want to have that front and center on their premier night when they own the world mm-hmm. on television with the Super Bowl and leading into the two weeks of that. And a lot of talk will be, you know, these guys getting sued and the monetary amount that potentially will be coming St. Louis's way or the settlement. And I, I just I find it fascinating that now that we're hearing uh, what is going on and, and now the national media is picking up on this and it's gaining steam. And I'm thankful for guys like Ben going out and pushing this and some of the others, Randy Carricker being another one yeah. that has made sure that they're not going to get off and, and Scott clean on this deal and and move on without some type of repercussions. And that's what's happening now. And, I, and by the way, the NFL in this lawsuit, they're losing in everything, every appeal, every uh, point that they bring up. None of it's being handled and going in their direction. It, it's all going into the direction of those that have brought this suit against the NFL and Crocky. Absolutely. And um, you're right. It hadn't gotten a, no- a lot of national attention. But recently, I've seen articles about this in Sports Illustrated. And Yahoo has picked it up. Uh, Daniel Wallach of The Athletic, who we had on earlier in the week, has has been covering it. And certain entities, I'm sure, that have relationships with the NFL probably don't want to upset their business partner and might not report on this until it goes to trial or until there's a judgment or something of that sort. But, you know, I saw I read an interesting article yesterday in Yahoo about this, Dan, and they compared what's happening with the Washington football team and John Gruden mm-hmm. to the lawsuit that St. Louis is dealing with and saying this is going to be a potential PR nightmare. Not only are there a lot, is there a lot of money at stake here for the NFL if they lose to St. Louis in this relocation case, but 
now that we're seeing leaked emails and this investigation get out there, St. Louis is going to be given access to, they already did in discovery, to a lot of communications that the NFL's had during this process that they likely do not want to be made public. Not only do you think about, at least for me, the money that the city is looking at right now with this this particular lawsuit and this particular example, but if you're Buffalo, you're Chicago, uh, your other NFL franchises that want to hold a city hostage to build a new stadium and use public funds for it or however manner they go about it, those people are going to say, now, wait a minute, look at what just happened in St. Louis. You cannot do that. This will set a precedent to where they cannot, and it's, it was supposed to be already in place, but mm-hmm. where you cannot go out and do this. You cannot hold this city hostage to do this. And so not only is it about this particular instance, but it's the other cities moving forward that are looking for new stadiums where you think about, okay, I, I want that $2 billion stadium and I'm going to I'm gonna stick it to the city and, and, and hold, them, hold a gun to their head to make them do this. You're not going to be able to do that because the precedent will be set with this particular example. Yep. And if the if the NFL is is going to get killed financially in this deal, they're not going to go down that road because they, they, the, the the people that are going to oppose this are going to use this and say you cannot do that. And look at what just happened in St. Louis. Look at what it cost you. You're not going to be able to do it. So to me, it's not only about what's happening here in town, but the future uh, buildings, stadiums that you're looking at, like Buffalo, like Chicago, saying that they may need a new stadium and move it into the suburbs or whatever they're looking at. Other cities, other franchises are not going to be able to do that because of what may happen here. I, and the NFL still king. Don't get me wrong. It's still the most popular sport in America. But I think, Dan, the NFL's in a, a more precarious position than they've likely ever been in, not only with this lawsuit, but with this Washington football thing happening at the same time, because the NFL's had a lot of missteps and they take a little heat publicly and then it kind of get gets brushed under the rug. Yeah. But with this John Gruden thing getting late, a lot of people are starting to press the NFL and, and ask questions. The NFL PA is asking that the 650,000 emails get released because they're looking at this situation situation now and they're thinking okay so you did this full investigation you read all of these emails you had access to these emails in which John Gruden said all of these offensive and terrible things and and you didn't take any action against him you levied a 10 million dollar fine against the Washington football team saying that the workplace culture was inappropriate and clearly you you found enough within your investigation and your emails to find them and say they did something wrong, but then you didn't reveal what it was. You didn't make any of that evidence public. Why is that? And I think the NFL, if these emails get made public, are probably going to be in a very tough spot because I'm sure a lot of stuff will be revealed that people are going to have a lot of questions about. Why didn't you take action against this person, maybe this owner, this or that? And then if these emails come out again with St. Louis, it's it's just showcasing a lot of the dirty, dirty dealings that the NFL takes part in that a lot of us know to be true. But when it's out there and black and white and you have the concrete evidence of just how shady some of the stuff is that they, that they deal in being exposed being exposed it's a it's a new position for them to be in i think the 314 here on the text line brings up an, a very interesting point no matter what happens the nfl is one they rip the team away from us and yet we still consume the product we watch bet talk about the nfl and they dangle a potential expansion team in front of us and we come right back um i agree with your your premise that we still watch and we bet and enjoy sundays and mondays and thursdays in the playoffs and we do follow it it's it's the number one sport in our country um 
I'm not necessarily in agreement with they dangle an expansion team in front of us and we come right back. And my point is, if if the NFL came and said, hey, we're going to build the stadium, you're going to have, and it's ironclad, the team is not going to leave, would would all of us as fans, not all, but would many say, yeah, I'll take that. Okay, mm-hmm. sure, absolutely. Um, but the, here's the thing. Would the corporate community get behind them? And that's when you're talking about selling your suites, your sponsorships, your signage, your tickets, uh, the various things that you have to have to support major uh sports whether it's the mls uh, baseball hockey you've got to have the corporate support behind you um i'm not sure because of what happened and the bitter taste left in many corporate partners mouths that they would say yeah i'm I'm jumping back on board i i don't know the answer to that my guess would be some would and some would say you know what been there done it i'm good i'm investing if i've got my income or my uh, allocated certain amount of money to to go to SLU basketball. We're going to support them now. And we dedicated, once the Rams left, a bunch of money to the Cardinals and the Blues. We're doing some Mizzou. We're doing some Illini, whatever. We're good. Mm-hmm. I think some some corporate uh, supporters would, would do that and maybe not step up and say, you know what, we got burned and I'm not doing it again. I could see that happening. I could, too. The the story is far from over. And another L for the NFL in Stan Kroenke in court yesterday. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we're going back to the topic of the day. What grade would you give the Cardinals for the 2021 season? Your text and mic drops next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman with you here on 101 ESPN. It's 9.05. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And attention golfers, there's still room for foursomes and individual players for the Amplify Athletes Golf Classic. It's this Monday at the Innsbruck Golf Course. Randy and I are going to be on site from 11 to 1. Randy is actually golfing in this tournament. It's going to be an awesome day on the links, all in support of Amplify Athletes and Mission Stadiums for Multiple Sclerosis. You can get more details Find the link to register right now at 101ESPN.com. And, Dan, the question of the day is what grade would you give the Cardinals for the 2021 season? I already gave it. You said an A-. minus. All right. I said a B plus. So let's get to some text and mic drops. How about that? All right. Let's do it. All right. This one from the 618. I would give the Cardinals a B plus. They exceeded my expectations. If they would have won a playoff game, they would have gotten an A. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. If uh, your mindset would change, I'm sure, if you advanced into playoffs. So yeah. if you made it uh, to, to face San Francisco and, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of uh, that series, again, it's that instant bias of how you feel about the team. If you would ask me in June, I'm, I'm talking, I said this earlier, I, the team would have had a D, <laughs> yeah. you know. And that um, might have been a polite grade. <laughs> yes. Uh, D minus would have probably been where I was at, as I said. And then all of a sudden you change the team. I keep saying this. It's like a tale of two teams. 90 wins is 90 wins. It's mm-hmm. a lot of wins. Um, and it was good enough to get you in the playoffs. It wasn't good enough to advance. So that's where I'm at with an A minus. Um, and I think it's kind of a, you know, if you look at the first couple of months of the season, at one point they had the best record in the National League about midway through May. They're playing very good baseball. They're leading the uh, division, and it was off and running. And then you got hit with the injuries, and it was tough. I mean, that, that month of June was bad. 
July was kind of catch your breath, regroup, hover around 500, and then August you started seeing some signs that the team could be better. Wasn't great, but then September was fantastic with the 17-game winning streak. And the 17-game winning streak does not cloud my judgment. I don't sit there and say, well... Uh, or if a fan would say, well, Dan, you feel this way because, you know, they won 17 in a row and that's, you know, unsustainable. We may never see 17 in a row here in St. Louis again, but I do think in watching how the team played, that's more indicative of what we should have expected throughout the year. Um, but the injuries got them, and mm-hmm. that's why I go A minus. This one from the 636, Dan. I'm going with a solid C. Plus. You can't skip class for a month and have the total body of work be above average. They were average for the majority of the year, horrible for the month of June, and excellent for a month or so down the stretch. To me, that average is to a C. I'll give them the plus for the what have you done for me lately factor. Go Cardinals. Eh, what do you think? You went B, plus, so give your reasoning. I, I went B plus because I I didn't want to give them an A because I I think that if you looked at what they were projected to do this season they quote underachieved, but I gave them a B plus because a lot of the issues that this team was dealing with throughout the season they overcame at the end whether it was injuries when you when you have so many injuries to the pitching staff you have so many walks you can't throw strikes and you find a way to not only overcome those injuries but get some guys in there that can throw some strikes I'm impressed when the offense is terribly stagnant in the month of June and then you make adjustments in season find a way to turn it on offensively and and capture that wild card spot and make it to the playoffs Maybe it is a little bit of recency bias for me, Dan, but I also take into account the beginning of the season and the Mm -hmm. way the Cardinals were rolling before they were dealing with a lot of those injuries. So I'm looking at the complete body of work. There are a lot of highs and lows, but I think at the end it's closer to highs than lows for me. So I gave them a B plus. I think Mo and Gersh felt like at the end of the year, this was the team that they expected. Now, 17 in a row. No, you don't expect that. But you started seeing the athleticism of this team come through. Now, I think it's fair to say, why didn't you address the pitching issues earlier when you were going south? And, and that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know. And as I've tried to explain to a lot of people, you know, when we talk about just the season in general, we don't know what was being asked on the other side. And so probably what's being asked if you're going out and getting uh, a, a good frontline starter, the, the first guy they're going to ask about is Nolan Gorman. And then it's probably, you know, well, Jordan Walker. No, no. How about Libert? No. I mean, so you had to wait. I, I would imagine in their seat, you had to wait for the price to come down a little bit. And unfortunately, when you waited, now you're in August. So now you got two months to go and they had to make this epic run to get in. I can understand where a fan would say that, though, where you'd yeah. say, Mandy, if, if you would have done that a month earlier, are we looking at a different team? Yeah. But also a lot of those teams that wind up dealing felt that maybe we're still in it and they weren't giving up players. Yeah, that's kind of the the crux of it. It, it can be very tough to to figure out when you know, you want to go out and address this. They knew the, the problems. They knew what they had to do with pitching. But then you sit there and say, who's available? Okay, then what's the price? Now we're not going to do that. You know, do we? Tr- and at that point in time, did you really feel that this was a playoff team? I didn't. You know, watching them, I'm going. It doesn't really matter who you're going to add um, because it's it, at this point, it's an uphill battle. It's a lot of teams to climb, and you're not playing good baseball. Give me a reason to think that you're going to be better by playing better baseball. Maybe I go out and make that move. 
and the moves that they made were about really catching a breather and protecting their staff, and it wound up just being the right moves. It worked out because we found out that if he threw strikes and put the ball in play, defensively, they were really good. And that's for, so for me, kind of advancing this question and the story, I think that's where I would dedicate a lot of my money is if I had that money to spend, I'm pitching, I'm going on pitching because I know if I got pitching, this team's going to win. Yeah. I really do believe that. It's also important to know, at least for me, what happened prior to the season starting. John Mozeliak came out and said, we need to make sure that we know what we have in house before we make any deals. Does everyone forget how upset we were watching the World Series last year and Randy Rosarena turn into Babe Ruth? Can you imagine if the Cardinals went out and made a move at the deadline and gave up one of their young prospects that a lot of people were really high on? Mo's in a situation where he's never going to get 100% approval rating. Some people will say, you didn't go out and make a move fast enough. But then there's definitely going to be a group of people that says, why are you dealing away a guy that could be what Randy Rosarena was? Why aren't you being patient and letting these guys develop? And then you have cost-controlled potential young superstars down the road. Right. So I know that that was something that was very important to the organization, that they wanted to make sure that they knew what their talent was in-house this season. So I do give them credit for making moves that did help supplement the club and put them in a better position to win while also retaining their young talent. And they learned about this team. I, I, I think, again, what we learned is if you throw strikes, you're going to win more times than not because the defense is elite. And they were projecting that at the beginning of the season. They felt like Let's just say O'Neal didn't hit to the level that he did, and he, he hit a lot. And Bader was better offensively. They felt, okay, if those guys are healthy and out there, and look at the numbers when all three of them played and started, the team was really good. Um, you knew the defense you're going to get out of Arenado and what you're going to get out of Goldie. I think Tommy Edmond surpassed what you thought defensively. And then short, you were okay. I mean, offensively, you weren't where it needed to be, but defensively, you were fine. Um, so that's where I think that they look at and say, okay, as we evaluate this team, what does that mean going forward? Well, it means that if we su- supply the right guys in our rotation, and some of them are coming, like I'm, I'm still uh, bullish on Oviedo. I think in, in the minor leagues, he was fine as long as he's throwing strikes. It, but that was part of the growth process, yeah. you know, and, and it's liberatory and seeing these guys come. And we're seeing these guys that are coming that aren't making a lot of money. And that's part of it, too, is budgetary concerns of what you have to do moving forward. Arenado's contract kicks in. You're going to have to start paying these guys arbitration numbers very, very soon that get high. And that's the other thing, staggering contracts. And they've done a pretty good job with that looking forward. So that's why I think the, the future is pretty bright with this team. Now, how they, you know, fill in some of the blanks and and the holes that they've had will be interesting this offseason but I think they have learned that if they get get guys that throw strikes they're going to win more times than not that's Danny Mac I'm Michelle Smallman and we have a jam-packed bottom of the hour we're going to have our weekly visit with David Perron and then Adam Wainwright is going to join us in studio at 9:45. looking forward to that which means that we have a super early edition of the crossover we're going to let you oh, know what wow. to expect from Danny Mac and BK in the 10 o'clock hour and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Cardinals that's next here on 101 ESPN we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN <laughs>
Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Attention golfers, there is still room for foursomes and individual players for the Amplify Athletes Golf Classic. It's this Monday at the Innsbruck Golf Course. Randy and I are going to be on site from 11 to 1. Randy's actually golfing in the tournament, and he's been golfing all week during his staycation. So what he's going to be playing with? Tip-top shape. I don't know. but we he's need gonna, to find that out. We'll, we'll get on that. It's going to be an awesome day on the links, all in support of the Amplify Athletes and Mission Stadiums for multiple sclerosis. You can get more details and find the link to register right now at 101ESPN.com. And, Dan, we have an amazing bottom of the hour here. We're going to talk yes. to David Perron at 930, and then Adam Wainwright is going to hang out with us in studio at 945, which means that right now we need to find out what's coming up on your show from 10 to 11 with BK. This is the crossover. This is the crossover. Kyle Glazer at 1030 will be our guest. Uh, BK will be out at Centene, and uh, we're going to get into kind of an interesting trend that's happening in this postseason, which is... Um, and I don't know if you want to say it's a trend, but we've seen shutouts in the in a lot of these postseason games. There have been five shutouts this postseason. There were seven total in last year's expanded postseason. The most in the wildcard era was 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, five teams this postseason that uh, are hitting at or below 215. Wow. So, yeah, uh, the Red Sox, the Astros, White Sox uh, had an OPS this postseason above 700. So is it a byproduct that, um, you know, guys it just kind of carries over from the regular season where the offense, you know, you know, they took away the sticky stuff and all that to right, try to yeah. improve offense? Or is it and what it tells me is that your fringe guys that you have to have in regular season play. Um, you're not seeing nearly as much in postseason. So you're seeing your frontline starters more and more. And in shorter postseason series, like five gamers, you're seeing sometimes a really good starter go to a bullpen. And then he comes out of a bullpen and gives you multiple innings. Uh, Nick Pavetta did it the other night with Boston. Uh, I think it was Lauer did it with uh, Milwaukee the other day. But you're getting good, really good starters that now are put in a a different role. So you go from a really good starter to what was a starter in the regular season. He's now in your bullpen, and then you get to the back end of your bullpen. So the pitching really has been the story in the playoffs. So kind of dive into that, and I think it's of of interest maybe for uh, baseball fans as we look at that. Also, obviously, talking Cardinal baseball, but uh, uh, Kyle Glazer will be our guest as well. Looking forward to that. That is going to be a great conversation. I'm sure you'll also mention a big game between the Dodgers and the Giants tonight. That series tied 2-2. to Winner moves on to the NLCS. Good pitching matchup tonight. Urias and Webb. I can't wait. Um, I don't want to bet against the uh, the pitching of Urias. Now, this is pretty cool. The Dodgers and the Giants in their long, long history, winner take all. I think this is either only the third or fourth time they've had a winner take all where everything's on the line between these two teams. So hated rivals. It's kind of like the Cardinals and the Cubs, you know, um, where you I, you had the matchup in the playoffs. I guess it was in, what, 15. Uh, Cardinals had that 100-win season, and you saw this train coming and coming fast and furious, and that was the Cubs, and the Cubs won that series. But it wasn't a winner-take-all, like Game 5 or a Game 7. And now we have that here. Um, and their history in New York and now out in California and the fan bases go crazy. Uh, it's just for me, it's very, very tough to pick against the Dodgers. But if I've learned and I should learn, don't go against the Giants. I mean, there's a reason why they won the division and right. have had the success they've had already in postseason play. They're really good. 
I just can't bet against the Dodgers, man, even on the road. That's exactly how I feel. I don't want to bet against the Dodgers. We know firsthand how tough they are. I don't want to bet against Urias. But I keep underestimating the Giants. They won 107 games. They were better than the Dodgers this yes. year. And I, I just think I need to stop that trend and believe in them. And maybe maybe tonight's the, the night that they prove me wrong, but or, or maybe prove me right, I guess I should say. But it just seems like so many people have continued to count them out or think maybe they aren't built for the postseason. And they're a really good baseball team. So I think I'm going to go with the Giants, which is not a scientific answer, but they've just continued to prove that they're forced. I think if you went to a, a fringe baseball fan and said, OK, name me some Dodgers, like just some St. Louis fans that are baseball fans. And they'd say, oh, well, Max Scherzer's out there, saw him. Uh, well, they got <clears throat> Albert Pujols. Uh, they've got uh, this <clears throat> really good uh, Trey Turner and, you know, I, the, oh, yeah, Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these big names. And if you went to um, somebody and you said, OK, well, name me the uh, the Giants outside of Buster Posey and um, let's Maybe say like Brandon, Crawford. Brandon Crawford, you'd go, I, I'm, well, who's in the rotation? I, I don't De Slafani, wasn't he a red? <laughs> Wait a minute, Kevin Gossman and who's their cl- oh Dominic Leone is out in their bullpen. I remember right. him as a car. I mean, it's crazy to think just how good they were this year. And if you went to, I think, a casual fan, not many would be able to name their one through eight or even who's in the rotation. You know what's funny is that we had that conversation about giants that people would name, and it just occurred to me we didn't even mention Chris Bryant. Right. That's another one. You know? that's And he is the perfect fit for how Gabe Kapler manages, which in this regular season, if you were starting a righty, he'd go, okay, I'm going to have my lefties that can play third base and uh, first base and outfield, and oh, well, we'll get Brandon Bell, and then we'll use this Lamont Wade. He's going to come in, and we're going to double switch with this guy, it's amazing how he's been able to manage, and I would assume that's what he's going to do tonight. The first sign that he sees of his starter, Webb, have any issues, he's going to go right to his bullpen. That's how he manages. Uh, he's very analytically based. It's an analytically based organization, not that all of them pretty much are, but, I mean, they take it to the nth degree. And Chris Bryant, to me, is the perfect giant. He can play third, he can play first, he can play all three outfield spots, hits righties, hits lefties, so he's the perfect fit for them. Well, it's going to be an awesome game. Yeah. Game 5 NLDS between the Dodgers and the Giants. 8.07 is first pitch tonight. You can catch that game on TBS. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, it's our weekly visit with David Perron. We're going to ask him about the Vail trip, see what kind of information we can get uh, uh, from David Perron on how the boys are hanging in Vail. I bet they're loving it. I bet they're having a great time. Let's you know what's interesting, though, is that they haven't had this for two years. And now with guys having the vaccine, I think I saw something where Gary Bettman said, Four players are, are unvaccinated. That is it. So they get to back, you know, get to have it back to what it's like normally when they travel, which is when you talk to any player, any sport, that's their favorite time, hanging out with the guys, the dinners, the time together, and being on the road. So this is a good way to do it. For sure. We're going to talk about that with David Perron. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman here with you on Character and Smallman, 101 ESPN. It's 933. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and have our weekly conversation with David Perron. Good morning, David. How are you? 
David, are you with us? Yeah, well, our connection is not great because you're in Vail. The Colorado air. Yeah. Um, how are things <laughs> going? Be. There you go. That's a little bit better. How are things going out there? It's going well. We're just uh, about to uh, get ready to go to practice today. Um, and then one more tomorrow, and then we head down to Denver. I think we're only a couple hours away, but uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good time. Well, you guys have been on a bonding trip, on a team bonding trip in Vail, as, as Dan just mentioned. And I don't really know what happens on a boys' bonding trip. I'm sure some things probably can't be told on radio. But what can you tell us about what you guys have been doing and how the bonding has been going? No, it's been great. Again, like I think anytime uh, um, the, the guys could uh, get together, have some drinks, uh, go to a restaurant, hang out together, um, do a little bit of shopping, I think it's always going to be a good time. And especially after, again, like we mentioned it, but not being able to do this last year or, or uh, go to restaurants, uh, I think it's, it's crucial for team bonding. It's crucial for team chemistry to be able to do this. And uh, be able, I think, to, to take our team uh, concept, our team uh, work ethic when you get on the ice and you, and you kind of live those like little experience with, with your teammates. I think you're just a little bit closer and it makes you want to work that much harder, I think, for, for the guy next to you. Okay, David, you said that you guys went shopping. And I imagine in Vail, if you go shopping, a lot of people buying a cowboy hat or a big belt buckle or something. <laughs> Can you tell us what one of the purchases was? You're bang on. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I never really had a nice cowboy hat, and uh, James Neal took me um, to this store. I keep forgetting the name, but it's a really nice store. Um, and, yeah, so one of the first nights uh, that everyone kind of got together, we, we show up with a cowboy hat on, and kinda, guys were liking it. So I think four or five of us ended up buying one. Um, yeah, so just little things like that. I didn't really do a lot of shopping personally, but I know some guys did uh, either like Lululemon, Patagonia, like just kind of stores that you would think of when you come to here with the ski resort or all that stuff. How is the uh, altitude? Have you noticed a massive difference when you get on the ice? Uh, I'm assuming it's a good thing to get out there early to try to get used to it. Yeah, well, it's funny. Yeah, it'll be one of the first time that we play in Denver and feel uh, hopefully pretty good about ourselves as far as uh, legs, oxygen in the lungs. Because um, here, I guess it's a little bit higher than, than Denver even. So um, we'll be ready to go come Saturday. David, you know a lot of your teammates already, but who's someone that has shown a lot of personality or might has been might have been the star of the show on this trip to Vail? Hmm. Oh, I mean, I think for the guys to see what Miller's all about, uh, it's pretty funny. He's... Uh, the character is actually incredible, and I'm I'm always on him to try and shut him up or say some joke, and we trip each other nonstop. Um, I really enjoyed seeing Vladdy also the, the way just having a couple of drinks with him. I think he's it was important for him to to loosen up, and uh, it's great to see. You know, you bring up a great point, which is Vladimir Tarasenko and all this in talk radio or around the city are talking about how this thing will will play out. Where you know the fans, the media. How about being a teammate? It's been very public. Where he said, "Okay, I, you know what? I, I want to leave St. Louis. I, I requested trade. It hasn't worked out. And oh, by the way, now he's back in our locker room. What's that been like as a teammate, and how you handle a situation like that?" I mean, obviously, you always want guys to be happy and uh, wanting to be here and things like that. But uh, I don't think at this point, I think it's uh, it's kind of turned the phase on that. 
uh, for the moment anyway. And it's not something that we ever talk to him about. We just want him to, to be happy, to be honest. And it doesn't really bother me at all. And as long as he's uh, working hard, doing the things that the team need him to do to be successful and, and playing as good as he can for, for his own game, I think uh, it's going to be a positive. And uh, things happen in a career. Like, he's been uh, in St. Louis for a long time, and it's not always smooth sailing. So we'll see how it's going to go, but uh, we're expecting a, a really good start of the season for him. David Perron joining Dan McLaughlin and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And, David, I, I saw a story about you the other day, and I flagged it because I wanted to ask you about it. So I saw an outline of a body on the ice, and allegedly during a, a team drill, you and your coach, Craig Berube, ran into each other. Now, Chief was asked about this after the incident, and he said that you guys collided, but that he let up on you. He says, <laughs> I went down because I didn't want to put him down. This is your opportunity to respond to that. <laughs> I don't know if I need to much of that. Uh, I, I only wish the video was out there because it was, it was extremely funny. Uh, just one of those uh, plays in practice that happened quickly and never really, uh, the way we do this, this exercise, we never have the puck end up changing side of the ice. And this time it did, and it did really quick. And by the time I was covering my guy, and I, I just took a step to the left and chief instead of kind of just, I thought he was just going to stay there or move a little bit to the other way. Uh, and we both end up kind of moving in the same direction. And uh, <laughs> I hit him pretty good, to be honest with you. And we have a good laugh about it. Uh, but he's great. He, he plays along with that stuff pretty well. And um, obviously, uh, I wasn't the guy that, that did the spray on the ice. Uh, I actually wish I thought of that. But I actually got on the ice the next morning and kind of had forgotten about about this. Uh, but it's a great play whoever did it. Yeah, that's really funny. And and also, what does it feel like to run into Chief? Because we know how tough of a guy he is. I can't imagine that that felt great for you. No, it, it didn't, to be honest. And I, I think we only kind of clipped our body, like half our body, kind of like uh, each. Like it wasn't like a full-on collision. And uh, maybe that's where Chief is saying he's let, he let up on me. But, uh, it, I mean, it, it's different, obviously. Like he's, he's got a whistle. He's all kind of like... He's uh, in his head, and I was just kind of worried about playing. I was probably more ready to beat myself than he was. And um, I like his chances better if, he, if we go in the corner and he, he really doesn't want it to fall. Uh, I don't know if I like my chances, so uh, I'm glad this time I got the upper end. I, I'm curious, in this point of training camp, are you guys like, Uncle, let's go, let's start the season. I'm sick of training. I'm sick of uh, practices, sick of going against my own guys. Uh, and let's just go to Saturday night. Let's get it going. I'm fired up. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that was part of the reason to come here. Uh, just kind of break the days down a little bit, obviously. Have some fun through that. And and as we ramp up, obviously, we're getting into a Thursday and Friday, now two days before the game. So I think this will be more serious the next couple of days. Uh, but definitely the guys have fun through this. Uh, and, and like you said, uh, our training camp uh, has been pretty hard this year. We had a lot of young guys really push for spots. Uh, the coaching staff, uh, strength guys, they did a really good job. And I think we're ready to go. We're excited to get going. And, David, you open the season versus the Colorado Avalanche, a team that you know pretty well. What are you looking for for your team to do to get a victory when you open the season on Saturday night? Just playing our game, but watching them play last night, they had a really good start to the season. They're obviously going to be another uh, one of the best teams uh, in the league, and uh, they, they've made some key moves. I think 
Um, they lost their goalie, but they added a guy that's uh, just as good, if not better. And we're going to have our hands full. But uh, I think it's it's important that we start the season off the, the right way. And um, it'd be nice to at least get two wins uh, out of three for this coming uh, road trip. All right. That's David Perron joining us here on 101 ESPN. David, thanks as always for the time and go get him on Saturday. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next week. All right. David Perron, Blues Winger here on 101 ESPN. I get a kick out of him every time. He's awesome. I I do. I I enjoy visiting with him, and I love visiting with our next guest coming up in studio, and that will be the great Adam Wainwright. He's going to be our guest. That's right. So let's get to a break. Adam Wainwright coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. To play or not to play? That is the question. What do you want me to do better? Play. This is well hit down the left field line, and that ball is gone. It's a home run, first ever in the career of Adam Wainwright. What do you want me to do, Martin? Play. Frankie Ball struck him out, and the Cardinals have won the pennant. Molina leaps into the arms of Adam Wainwright. The one-two pitch to Chris Bryant. He got him. Struck him out. He struck him out three times today. Fly ball, left field, Carlson over. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. Kill. Well ball off the glove of Waino. That's by Goldie. He does it. He is 18 days away from his 40th birthday, and tonight he gets his 27th complete game, and he was absolutely magnificent. Six for six. I guess we should play. <laughs> what a treat it is. You heard him every week on Character and Smallman with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN, but he is joining us in studio. Adam Wainwright is with us. How are you doing this morning, Adam? I'm doing great. What a what an awesome, fancy studio y'all have here. This is cool. <laughs> it's cold in here, though, right? It's, it's an absolute igloo in here. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I mean, it is below freezing in this room. It really is, but that's to keep you sharp and keep you on your game. So we have Adam Wayne right here. Dan- mornings. Danny Mack has been here all morning, and you know it's a special guest when Randy Carricker comes in studio while From he's on vacation. vacation. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I will uh, I, I will be full you disclosure here. You never did this here. for Michelle and it, I, yeah, but Wayno right. comes in. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I'll leave the house. But I, I told Michelle, mm-hmm. and so it's 9.50. I was supposed to tee off at of Boone Valley at 8 o'clock, and... The rain came, and so we canceled Boone Valley today. So if it was That's a nice not day, hard enough to get out of Boone. Would you have come uh, if it was a nice day? It was just because of the rain, or is it because of Wayno? Uh, Be I, honest. Wayno, I love you, but it would have been the rain. And that should be your answer. Boone Valley is a special place. It's great. Okay, well, Adam is in studio with us today. He joined us every week, courtesy of Chick-fil-A. We wanted to give a shout-out again to Chick-fil-A for sponsoring Wednesdays with Wayno throughout the entire season. And thank Adam again for coming on with us each week throughout the season. But Adam is here today. This is really special. He's going to accept a donation from Chick-fil-A, $5,200, going to support Big League Impact, doing great things for our community and all across the world. And as one 
one final amazing gesture this season. Chick-fil-A is also going to be delivering complimentary food later today to the staff at Crisis Aid on behalf of Adam, on behalf of Big League Impact and 101 ESPN. Love that. Love that. Love that. Thanks for helping to uh, get that ball rolling for us so we can feed some people who do some incredible things throughout the city of St. Louis. And we had fun talking this year. You're going to do it again next year? What's that? The you know do the show. You never commit too early. You never. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to commit right now. <laughs> well, well, it seemed like it was a good uh, a good jumping off point for next year. You know, we'll see about it. But um, we got you I don't see why we, we, can ask you don't see we, why we wouldn't do it. You can't hang up a phone. Yeah, we can that's tackle right. you each other. He's committed to playing next year. So. That's what I'm saying. So you're maybe in. you should ask your family if you should do it again. <laughs> we'll, 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 do put a, a video. we'll put a, a video out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, girls got some airtime this year too. The girls got some airtime. Well, you know that's and that's a lot of times not of of my choosing. It's just how things go in my house. You know, like there's just no alone time to be had. You know, you think you're in the bathroom by yourself until someone's sitting in your lap. You know, you think you think you're eating by yourself until someone's eating half the food on your plate. I mean, it's just nothing you can do uh, to get away from five kids. Usually, I get a kick out of little guy. Oh, little man's hilarious. He's awesome. I he's get a, a tornado. That's so awesome. So awesome. He he just seems like he's so much fun. And he's got all the girls around him. So, you know, you get the girls and then dad comes home. Then you get to, you know, get a little guy time in. He just seems like he's a blast for you. He is. And every now and then, no offense to all the beautiful women out here listening in, in the studio. He and I look at each other like sometimes like, let's go. We got to get outside. <laughs> we got to go out. I love it. Uh, but he's, you know, he's a breath of fresh air for me because uh, as a girl dad, I love my girls. Had four of them first before we had Caleb. And uh, I thought. You know, I had everything figured out about kids, and then boys come, and it's just a completely different animal. Totally, you know, completely different animal. You know, he, I go outside with my girls, and they fall in the mud. It is a dad come pick me up, and 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 not that they're they. I mean, they they play sports. They're all, I love doing that, with them. but they fall. Dad, you got to come pick me up, and we got to go get this off right, right away. Right, mm-hmm. my son was rolling down, was walking down a hill this year, and absolutely ate it in the mud, <laughs> mud all over his face and shirt. And he looks down and I'm going, all right, what's this reaction going to be? He walks back up to the top of the, does to it the hill and does it again. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, yes, he's a dude. You know? <laughs> he's a dude. But yeah. I know there's girls out there doing the same stuff. Too. Well, there's a, there's a big difference between getting muddy while playing a sport and getting muddy when you're not anticipating yeah, the fun it. part. You know what I mean? Yes. There, there's a big difference there. Well, Adam, we're going to ask you a lot about the season, uh, about the Cardinals this year. But first, I want to ask you about what you just did, which was getting back in the broadcast booth for Fox for uh, the ALDS. I guess my question is, what's it like to be so good at everything you do? Well, I, I, can I can I throw a little bit in here? He was not a play-by-play guy. I want to make sure that he yes. never no did play-by-play. That's play. right. That's right. He was an analyst. So he going was. forward, his role will be with an, as an analyst. Strictly. Because the, you know, there's some guys who do play-by-play in town that I know that saw what he did on the air and got a little scared. Okay? Uh, and so I just want to make sure he's yeah, the right. analyst true. going that's forward. True. No, you were awesome. And, and you let are. me tell you that I would I don't I don't have it in me. That's a talent that uh, people don't understand how hard that is to be a play-by-play guy and make the game sound interesting and call every play as it is, and then and then give to give an exciting call in the moment because I get caught up in the moment. And I'm like, oh wow, look at that. That's really cool. Oh yeah, I'm on the mic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's a there's a, a separate talent for um, for that that you know that that takes a lot of practice and time and talent to to do to pull that off. What I'm better at, I think. I mean, I never tried the other one because I think I'm almost positive it'd be a disaster. 
But what I'm better at is is talking about what I see. And you gave me some great advice the other day and in, in talking about experiential things and why somebody would do that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to check my ego aside at the door before I start and get as much help as I can from great pros like you. I, I, I am curious, and I know you guys, just on this one real quickly, were they in your ear a lot or did they, because you were new, they tried to stay, and I mean the producer, the director, stats guy, whatever, but not the people that you sat there with, but those behind the scenes in the truck who really make it go. The men and mm-hmm. women of those crews are incredibly no talented. Um, were they in your ear a bunch, or did they say, hey, don't get in his ear, because what happens for people that are out there, if they press the button, your your sound goes off. So all of a sudden, you're talking, but you're not hearing yourself, mm-hmm. which can really throw you off. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious if they said, hey, let's stay away from that, let them get comfortable in that seat. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, they did whatever they did. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, Aaron, um, who was the producer there, just does an incredible job. There's a, there's a real good conversation going on in the earphones for that sure. people don't hear. Uh, and and the, some of it, you can't have them here. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Those stack guys and producers, man, that is, that is – you know, when you hear somebody uh, say like, well, that's the 14th strikeout in the mm-hmm. last four weeks on a Wednesday, you know, yeah, after that's 8 right. p.m., you're thinking, man, this guy has really done his homework. But yep. it's actually those stat guys who are producing all those really cool um, lines for you to give throughout the air to make you sound smart, too. And those guys are, man, that's a... It's a they, they're unsung heroes of the, t- of the broadcast, for sure. Sure. Did you get a chance to connect with Tony at all? I did. Yeah, we had some good talks. Good. It, number one, the games took a long time, and I thought you did a great job of it, remaining engaged for four and a half hours, which is not easy to do. But you brought something extra th- to the, those telecasts, I thought, because of your experience with him. Yeah, that, and that was fun to uh, to just to sit down and talk with him beforehand in, in kind of a different role. Like, all right, Tony, what do you got planned for your pitchers this week? Like, how many pitches has he got? You know, are you thinking about early leash? Or, or he's got a tight leash right here. Are we, are we thinking about getting Big Lance up early? You know, all those kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he, you know, seemingly would uh, – and Dusty, too, actually, would they would look at me like, all right, I know this guy. I've been around him. I, he's all right. He's not trying to, you know – trust you. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of trust there. Um, but it was, it was cool talking with Tony off the scene, too, just getting kind of – of the backstory behind some of his players and what he's gone through and and why he picked managing back up and um you know the team that he's with the team he's with is very talented there's a lot a lot of, that's a deep team over there um so you know they they had some injuries it, that they were working through big big lance wasn't exactly 100 percent. rodon obviously wasn't 100 percent. so talking with him about that pre series was fun but i had some great talks with tony he hadn't changed a single bit is that right at all not at all same guy interesting that's great i also wanted to ask you because i asked dan a lot at the end of the seasons do you need some decompression time and obviously you went right into tv after the end of the season but you play for six months it's pretty intense a lot of travel is there a decompression Compression period for you after a season? Uh, I mean, somewhat. There, when you have as many people going in as many different directions as I do in my household, you can't have a complete decompression time mm-hmm. because you got to take somebody somewhere. You got to be the coach. You got to be, you know, she's got to be here and he's got to be there and she's got to be over there and I've got to pick her up. And I mean, there's really not a, a time of just rest and relaxation, honestly. I mean, and, and that's fine. It, it kind of flows into it better that way. You have <clears throat> such a great mind for the game. And I, I love the shots when we see you talking to Jack Flaherty or Dakota Hudson or some of the young guys. And when you were a young guy, 
they did that for you. So you're always you're talking about a lot of things, but you're talking baseball a lot, which is great. So my question would be, can you find a role after baseball to where you can have family time? And as you know, as a coach, if you were going to coach, it's from 10 a.m. until 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever the case may be every day. And TV or radio, that's a lot of time away from your family. So can you find like that dual role you think that would um, appease your appetite to stay in the game but yet keep family first and foremost? That is the goal. Um, and we'll see how that looks. Uh, it was funny the other day. Adam Amin was telling me, and Adam's who I worked with. He was he's the play-by-play play guy. He really is great, and he's great to work with, and he's helped me so much. But he was telling me about, you know, you just come in here, you, Adam, just come in here, Wayno, just come in here in October and do a couple of games, and it's beautiful weather, and you're sitting up in this booth, and it's like, you know, 75 crowds degrees. Are <laughs> crowds are going right. crazy. He goes, I do the Bulls, and he does basketball, and he does you know football and all kinds of other things, too. But he's like, I'll be up in a press box July 4th, and it's 100 degrees in there, and sweating my tail off with you know 22,000 people in the right. stand, max 20,000 maybe, that are not nearly as engaged as this. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I do just want to do the postseason. This seems like a pretty good gig. He's like, and the producer comes on the air in, in my ears and goes, "Now you're figuring it out." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was fun. I had a great time, but I think there is a role somewhere. I mean, I don't know what that looks like. I like going on the road every now and then and, and seeing these unique parks and and uh, and and stadiums and teams and and. And kind of mixing it up and taking taking my gal out on a you know a, a little short vacation to Chicago or wherever that is, um, I like getting out and doing that kind of thing. So there's got to be something like that. And I also like I want to do a little different type of of show, right? I, I would I would love to go sit down with you know the best restaurant in town and take. Anthony Rizzo or whatever and, and go talk baseball and, and have a meal and eat the best barbecue in town or whatever sure. that is uh, as like a pregame hit, you know, before you get on there, something like that to bring baseball and, and kind of humanize it a little bit and bring bring them into to people's, you know, living rooms a little bit. That's what we're missing. Yeah. yeah. So I we think are that missing might that. be my role. Yeah. I'd watch that. Adam Wainwright joining us in studio here on 101 ESPN. And speaking of the human element, Adam, I talked about this after you guys lost to the Dodgers. Tough loss, tough end to the season. But it really struck me, a comment that you made and a comment that Harrison Bader made after the game. You had a tough end to the season. You started that game. And afterwards, when you're asked about Alex Reyes, you talked about going and giving him a hug and telling him he has a bright future. When Harrison Asked about the loss, he made it a point to talk about Matt Carpenter and what Matt Carpenter meant to him. And if this is the end of the road for him, potentially, he wanted to make sure to get that out there. And it, it just really struck me because you guys are the ultimate competitors. And here you are in the throes of the ultimate competition, and you still have time to compartmentalize and think about the feelings of your teammates. And that just really speaks to me, not only about you guys as a whole, but about the dynamics of your clubhouse. Yeah, and that's the, and you nailed it right there at the end of it, the dynamics of the clubhouse. That's a very important thing for a winning club. You know, when you're, when you are rooting for each other more than just on the field, but also off the field, and you're growing, you're having those big league dinners where you get to go and share life with each other, not just baseball. Baseball is 
inevitably going to be a lot about what you talk about. But hey, I would like to know like what you're doing off the field. How's your how's your home life? How's your mindset going forward? And you know how, how's you know whatever it is when you're bonding like that off the field, you get close. You you play for that player. You know you play for those guys. You you want to win for them, and that just pushes you a little bit farther, and and you get a little bit closer. And that also allows for when you have those honest conversations a lot and you grow a lot with each other that also allows for when somebody needs to get a quick a quick check or a buke or whatever and you say hey hey man let me that's not the way we do things then then it they come it comes across better it, it's more real that way and and they know that they that you love them and you're not just coming down on them and 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 there's a give and take with that too i tell jack flaherty all the time man if you see me slipping let me know right away or if you see me doing something on on in the in the game that you think i could do better let me know right away so i can so i can be better and, and i think there's a good honest open ending part um point of of growth there from young player to old on our team that i've not seen in a while and by the way he does right he, I was just going to ask, has he checked you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. He, 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 the other really? day in uh, my second to last start of the season, he's like, hey, you're, you're doing something with your hands that, you know, we know this is not a good thing for you. When you start pushing your hands out, when I start tracking down my leg with my hands on my, with my handbrake is weird. It, it comes back, yeah. not in a straight line, doesn't stay behind me. And then I start wrapping. I get, I get rotational, which just means I'm going to pull a lot of mm-hmm. balls and lose a lot of balls up and arm side. And, and he's really good about noticing those things right away, but he'll tell me. And he knows he has full, he has full permission to let me know right away. Cause I want to fix that in game. I don't want to wait till after the game and somebody, you know, on the 18th hole, somebody say, you know, on the first hole, I noticed <laughs> right. that you were, you know, doing this and you're like, well, why didn't you tell me 17 holes yeah. ago? Um, so I like fixing those things in game, but also it's about mindset. You know, like I want to know if I'm leading well. I want to know if I'm loving these guys well, and 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 I want to know that from the coaching staff down. You know, from the young players down. Hey man, how can I serve you better? How can I pray for you? What can I do for you to help you be a better player and teammate? Wayno, uh, big league impact fantasy football week four mm-hmm. saw Carriker and Smallman pull away for a three point mm-hmm. victory over mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright, mm-hmm. and le- you le- lost to these guys. Yeah, the but very last second was a field goal. That, this past wow. weekend, you lost another heartbreaker. Yeah, that was a field goal by Justin Tucker on Monday yeah. night. Man, Jeez. you had some heartbreakers. You know what's funny about that Justin Tucker field goal? Jack Flaherty had Justin Tucker, who I traded Justin Tucker to Jack Flaherty in another big trade that we had, um, which I made a, a big trade last night, too. I'm very proud of. Uh, <laughs> but Justin Tucker made that field goal. I lost I lost our, our match, mm-hmm. right? I lost to Jack Flaherty on the same field goal, and I also lost another game <laughs> on the same field goal. Oh. And almost all of the totals were ex- almost exactly the same. It was like 147.2 mm-hmm. to 148.3 or something in all three games. And I'm like, well, I'm going to send a mean note to Justin Tucker, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. and he's going to send one back. We really saying, appreciate you not that. have traded me, dude. So yeah, right. there you go. Hey, can you? I mean this sincerely. Can you, knowing that it's Yachty's last year, and who knows how long you're going to play, and the special relationship that you guys have had, and what you mean to the city, the organization, this fan base? Can you go to Mo or Mr. Dewitt as a player and say, look? We think because of our relationship with player X, we think we can get him here. I mean, I, I know you probably have done stuff like that before with other guys, but maybe even more of an emphasis this year than ever because it is Yachty's last year. 
Can you and and will you do something like that? I'm sure gonna try. I can tell yeah. you that. <laughs> I was a big part of getting Lance Berkman over here, okay. getting Matt Holiday over here, um, for to to sign an extension. But to get Berkman over here, I I, I negotiated like. Seventy-five percent of that contract. Seriously, I'm dead serious. Really? Awesome. I got no Down cut to the of money? that either. No cut of that. Down to the money. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was taking offers back and forth. We were at the same conference. I was at a Christian conference with with Lance, and and I'm going, dude, we need you right here. And 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 Mo's going, hey, we need him. And I'm going, I know. All right, send me. Let's let's work this out right here. And then Lance's agent just happened to be at the same place we were, and and his name's Mike Moy. He's a great guy. And Mike's like, hey, Adam, uh, I'm the agent. <laughs> um, we we'll appreciate you getting us this far. Uh, can I take it from here? <laughs> and I was like, hey, just don't blow it, man. Like, yeah. this is a big deal for our team. You know, like, if you mess this up, I'm blaming you because I got it right there on the doorstep. Sure. <laughs> but there's been there's been um, trades and stuff that happened that that uh, I have been pulled in on that I really appreciate. I, I like having a role in that in that regard. There's a lot of players that Yachty and I know around the league from just playing against each other and with with lots of guys and. Well, the thing that 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 really helps sometimes is you know what a clubhouse thinks about a player, mm-hmm. and you know what that player is going to be like when you get them into your clubhouse. Um, and so those are great scouting reports, you know. Yeah. And you need those. Does St. Louis still have the allure that it had when you start when your career started as as a destination for players to come? It, it, okay, so uh, it does again. Yes. Now I would say for a couple of years we sort of lost that just a little mm-hmm. bit. There was some, you know rhetoric out there that was probably uh, unfair um, you know the cardinal way thing was starting to rub people wrong but all that is is success you know that that was that was people trying to find reasons not to like the st louis cardinals right. <laughs> um, but our our staff and our our training staff and our our all that staff they work together so well that players hear those things i mean when when you when you have a staff that really gels and, and works together well, and a player in a clubhouse that really works together well, um, players want to be a part of that, especially if they have a great chance to win in October, which is what we're bringing to the table now. I got to ask one more thing, and people have seen this, whether it be on the internet or watched it live. You ate a hot dog on national a TV. Polish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How did your body react? Because you're a very healthy eater now. How did your body react to that? And can I can I add something to yeah. that? I'm I'm told if you're from Chicago, you are never ever supposed to put anything on it. So like you're not supposed to put mustard. You're not supposed to put hmm. ketchup. You're not supposed hmm. to do anything to get the true. Polish taste of a Chicago dog. So go ahead and answer those okay, questions. Okay, so I've got the whole breakdown on this um, from people who know. Okay. Who from there. Now, you have two different styles. You have a Chicago dog. And what that means is, and Adam Amen is the one who told me this. Oh, yeah, Chicago guy. Yeah, he's a Chicago guy. And he used to make Chicago dogs, Chicago-style hot dogs. And he said, you can put ketchup on any kind of hot dog. It just won't be a Chicago hot dog. Okay, there you so go. So a Chicago-style hot dog has mustard. It has some sort of little peppers, things on them. It has a pickle. It has um, uh, celery salt, and it has mustard. And that's what it has. And if you put anything else on it, it's fine. It's just not a Chicago-style hot Is dog. Is that what you had? Did you put all that on there? I had that the first day. 
Um, and your before, body reacted okay? Before we went on air, which Ooh, was that's a mistake. A, that's a rookie move, <laughs> man. It was a mistake. I know. I told them that, and they were terrified that I was going to freak everybody out about eating on, on the air. I'm like, no, you, you don't understand my role here. My role here <laughs> is to eat on camera. That's my role. Um, well, that's like having a partner that goes and has Skyline Chili, and you get to sit next to him for the next three and a half hours. Not yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Plus, Skyline, no offense to anybody from Cincinnati. There's a lot of things Cincinnati does uh, really well. They have the best ice cream in the world. Raiders. Raiders ice cream. Awesome. But Skyline chili is just gross, man. Yes. It it's well, first of all, you have to understand what you're getting. It's not chili. Right. It's you can get it five ways. You get the noodles sauce, basically. Exactly. Um, but it's not in a chili cuz I'm from the south and 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 we think of chili a certain way and people from the north think of chili a certain way, but and, and I think we think of them the same way, but then there's that middle area in Cincinnati that hasn't really figured out what they know right. about chili, <laughs> and so they call it chili, but it's not chili. I would agree. Okay, so back to the hot dogs. The Polish, though, um, is supposed to have, like, grilled onions on it and mustard, I believe. And uh, that was delicious. And it was, like, 15 inches long. That was the biggest hot dog I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. Uh, But they were both delicious. They were both delicious. And the first day, the game was, like, you know, five hours and 26 minutes long or whatever it was, longest game I've ever been a part of, not any game anyways. And about halfway through, I'm like, I don't care if they want me to talk about it on air or not. I need some food up in here. <laughs> and I'm like, what is the best thing to eat? And then, you know, we start getting all these text messages or whatever. And I'm like, helmet nachos, huh? That's interesting. And then two minutes later, I got a big old White Sox helmet full of nachos in front that's of awesome. me, you know? And then. See, that's the key when you're when you're at a city. Yeah. You know, like when you go to Frisco and they've got the garlic fries yep. and then you talk about it on the air magically. Yeah, they get it there to you. Somebody's listening. Right. They'll bring Amazing. it to you. And when you I know. figured that out, I, I made a Gatorade push and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. And you I made sure I that. turned the G towards the camera and everything. And then two seconds later, there was like 14 Gatorades in front of me. It was great. Oh, that's so huge. I, I started the next day. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get on there and I'm going to talk about all my favorite things. Exactly. We'll see what we can get delivered. You know what it sounds like? Good training for your future show where you eat with fellow athletes. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. Well, I, Adam, it was it was wonderful talking to you. Dan, did you have one more thing you want to I jump in I do have one more question. I do have one more question. You know I'd like to do this to you, Adam. Um so let's just say you don't play, uh, or I'm excuse me. Let's say you don't retire next year. Uh, I was doing the numbers. You are close to being a Hall of Famer. Now we all know you are a Cardinals Hall of Famer. That's going to happen. You're going to have your red jacket, and it's going to be meaningful when you and Albert and Yachty maybe go out all next year. Who knows? Be the most amazing class we've seen. Um, but you're close to the Hall of Fame, man. Have you noticed that? And have you taken a look at it? I know you look at numbers, but and I can say it, and maybe you don't want to say it, but you're close to that. Would that entice you then to continue to play if you're playing at a high level and say, you know what, I'm going for it. We got a chance to win. <laughs> I'm still doing it at the age of 41, 42. And you know what? I could be on my way to Cooperstown. Would that mean something, or would it motivate you to do that? Well, of course it would mean something. Um, the, the tricky thing is, do I balance being a Hall of Fame player with being a Hall of Fame Understood. dad and husband. And yep. that's my most important thing uh, to be a Hall of Famer in. Um, and I feel like I've, I have, and my girls have been 
just tremendous blessed. They they have been so gracious and, and awesome about me playing again. They really wanted me to play again. But my oldest daughter now is 15. She's in high school. We were talking we about are that, yeah. different. This is a, a different ball game now. You know, mm-hmm. she was just shopping for homecoming dresses the other day because the star on the soccer team asked her to homecoming. Whoa. And I'm not going to be there, you know, potentially if we'd have gone all the way through. Now I'm going to sure. be there. He's going to get <laughs> now he's going to get grilled, you know, um, but I don't want to miss things like that. You know, um, now I, I will say I'll just I'll just I'll end it with this because who knows these things before before time. But a perfect mic drop on a on a, a fun career in an amazing place for an amazing organization would be to go out last year, next year on a World Series victory. Absolutely. Uh, absolute mic drop. You know, Yachty and I jumping into each other's arms and then saying, say la vie, uh, nice knowing you. It's been great. It doesn't get better than that. No. You know, see you in the booth next year, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of where my head's at is just what can I do next year to help us win a World Series and then um, go from there. But that that is priority number priority number one as far as playing goes. Um, and then priority number one as far as just being a dude goes is making sure that my girl knows she's taken care of and my and my and my kids know that they're taken care of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a great place to end it. Adam, thank you for joining us in studio. And thank you again for joining us every single week this season. It's been so wonderful chatting with you. Our listeners love getting to hear from you. And thank you again to Chick-fil-A for making this all possible, for sponsoring Wednesdays with Wayno. Adam is going to accept a donation again from Chick-fil-A today, $5,200 going to support Big League Impact. Go to bigleagueimpact.org, get all the information about the great work that they're doing here in St. Louis and all, all across the world. And Adam, enjoy your off time. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having say, me on. Your impact on this organization is monumental your impact in this community is is even bigger and i mean that i mean you do Mm -hmm. just an incredible job so thank you for what you do with uh just what started out with fantasy football and what you're doing now it's it's just amazing we're just trying to empower the great organizations that are already in this community um and and also give them sort of a stage to for everyone else to know how incredible they are because they're the they're the rock stars. We're all we're doing is is collecting from amazing people who have big hearts that want to give and and then giving it to these organizations who are just the best at what they do right here in St. Louis. So, really cool stuff. Hall of Fame person, man. I mean that. Thank you. Yeah, You're awesome. Absolutely. Adam Wainwright, Danny Mac, Randy Carricker, Emily Butcher, and Michelle Smallman. Thank you to everyone for listening. Danny Mac is sticking around. The Danny Mac Show with BK coming up next. And on Adam 101. said he's gonna, he wants to stick around, too. <laughs> hey, thanks, Randy, for coming over on a, on a whim a lot during our shows, too. And be like, hey, Randy, I got I can do it in five minutes. He's like, all right, I'll be there in five minutes. You know, So he ran over a couple of times when it was going to be the only way I could possibly do it and, and made right. it work. No, you always made it very easy. And I live five minutes away, so it was, it was a breeze. And uh, we couldn't ask for uh, more honesty and more candidness than what you provided us about your life and the team all year long. We, cool. It was a fun ride. Yes, sir. We'll do Thanks. it again next Thanks, week. Thanks, Michelle, also. Yes, thank you, Adam. The Danny Mac Show with BK next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.